Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Wednesday, 19th of July. It's Steve Allen with you till 7 o'clock this morning. The moped thugs prowling with an 18-inch machete. From what I've seen recently, the public seem to be taking uh, upon themselves to attack these uh, moped thugs. And in fact, they uh, they kicked the dickens out of one the other day. And uh, the other one ran off like a frightened little schoolgirl. The shamed uh, mum, she took revenge on commuters who made her stand. Now, of course... I've been on trains. I go on trains every single day of my life. Nobody gives up seats for women now, unless it's an old woman. I did see somebody on the train the other day, actually, gave up his seat for a for a couple, which I thought was rather sweet. And then somebody else had a vacated a seat, and he said to this woman, no, you go and sit there. And it was only a young guy. I was quite impressed by that. So if that was you on the Reading train, I was very impressed. But uh, this woman took revenge on commuters. But unfortunately, buying a ticket does not mean that you get a seat. doesn't matter whether you're a mum or you're pregnant or anything nowadays. How much do the BBC stars earn? Who cares? Who ca- I really can't understand why anybody's remotely interested in what Chris Evans earns. or any- Why would it be of any interest? I don't know what, what my team earn here. I say my team. I don't know what they earn. I have no interest in it whatsoever. And they've probably got no interest in, in what I earn. <laughs> Except one of them. Who'd have a very big interest? It's a bit like Naomi Campbell. Before she goes out with somebody, see your bank account. Find out how rich you are. But it doesn't make any difference, does it? You know, I'm expected to earn more than the people who work on the programme. But it doesn't matter. You know, when I started off life, I didn't earn very much. And it's sort of gone up. It's sort of crept up. And it's acceptable to me. I don't get jealous about what anybody else earns. I've got enough for my needs. More than enough. More than happy. Uh, the school who failed to give CPR to a hanged teen. She'd been bullied. They don't think it was racist. Her father stormed out of court the other day. And I can well imagine why. Bloody useless school. I mean, seriously, this girl went went to the toilet and was found hanged in there. Two hours later. Two hours later. I'm not surprised he was uh, fed up. And also, 1942. Think back, what were you doing in 1942? There's a couple up in, uh, in Switzerland. And they go to feed their cows. You know, it's a bit like Heidi. Only sort of modern day version in 1942. And uh, something happened. And I don't know exactly what did happen. But they ended up in a glacier. They died. I assume they were boozing because they found a a bottle with them as well. Anyway, 75 years later, the glacier gives them up. So for all these years, they've been travelling with the glacier, which means that they're underneath the glacier and it's all rocks and everything else like that. And you just move. It's at a slow pace. So if you if you see it speeded up on camera, you could see the glacier moving quite quickly. But in this particular case, it obviously moved and they were in it. Now, how they got into it, I've got no idea. But 75 years later, the glacier gave them up again. It's like, da-da. Didn't they find Mallory on Everest? I think they found Mallory. And they knew it was Mallory because they found bits of his legs up there and stuff like that. And uh, and it's it's just bizarre, coming back from the dead. So this couple, their their daughter, who's 79, said she's going to give them the burial now that they, they deserve. Because they've been buried in the glacier for all these years. Uh, EastEnders Paul in Jungle Horrorfall. Which is okay, except for the fact that they printed a picture of um, of this actor in Thailand, in Pattaya, I think he went to. Unfortunately, he's on a stretcher and all his bits are hanging out. When I say all his bits, his downstairs department is hanging out. And nobody's thought, they've just printed a picture in the paper. So in, in one of the papers today, you've got a very nice picture of his spherical objects. 
Which is it's quite embarrassing, actually, because obviously nobody's realised what it is. Luckily, I'm a man, so I know what they are. But uh, so poor old Paul, Paul Nichols, it was sort of was wearing a pair of shorts and they've obviously lifted them up and you, it's all quite clearly on display. No, stop it. No need to do that kind of thing. It's unnecessary. I'll show you later. And, um, and the Daily Star today. What was the question I asked you yesterday? Do we know if Daisy Lowe's had a boyfriend? And because I'm just slightly disturbed, in my own way, at uh, the poor desperado who is Louise Redknapp, who's sort of trying to discover herself and is having a midlife crisis. And now she's hanging around with Daisy Lowe like kind of a lot, you know, which is OK. She's got children. She's got uh, she's got a husband. Uh, she appears to have just just given them up, really. She hasn't bothered contacting uh, the Redknapp parents at all. But she's with Daisy Lowe all the time. And I did pose the question the other day. I wanted to know whether or not Daisy Lowe was into women. And she is. She's admitted it. Yes, I fancy girls. So uh, Louise Red... I mean, who knows? Louise Redknapp might have started discovering girls later in life. Happens a lot, doesn't it? You get a lot of married people who sort of discover that they fancy the same sex. Perhaps she's a bit bored with the same, you know, stuff with Jamie Redknapp and fancies uh, a bit of the other side of the fence, you know. Or maybe not. We've got no idea. It does seem odd, though, doesn't it, really? It's like, you know, if I had a member of the team who was hanging around with a lot of people of the same sex, you know, I would start asking questions, you know, because that's how, that's naturally how I would be feeling. You know, if you wanted to go and sit in a field with somebody, you know, under the gut, or sort of go to a concert or maybe, you know, go down to the seaside or anything, you know, I, w- I would be asking questions, you know. But that's natural for me, you know, because I'm a naturally curious question-asking person. You know, I'd be in, intrigued. Somebody said to me, maybe you'll end up with a field next year, you know, in a, in, in, in a tent watching a concert. I said, I don't think so. I don't think so, really. It's not my kind of thing. I'd stay in a hotel, but and I'd watch it on the television. It's like, you know, people who queue up to go to uh, Wimbledon. I'm not interested in queuing up and going to Wimbledon because you get a much better view on the television, you know, and you can get to see all the behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, the idea of queuing up for a seat is just awful. Oh, bad news. The Queen of Mean... Anne Robinson is coming back with the weakest link. Um, I don't know why. It was on its last legs last time round, but, of course, the BBC have run out of ideas. They don't mind printing everybody's salary. I'd love to see what her salary is. Um, but only out of curiosity. I don't, it doesn't make any difference to us, does it? I couldn't care less what Gary Lineker earns. If, you know, if, 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 if I said to one of my... T- if I was looking after the money on this programme, say there was a budget, which there obviously must be, and I said to the team, right, I'm going to offer you this. And they then go, well, I could do with a bit more. And I go, actually, I haven't really got a bit more, but I'd love you to work on, on the show. Then that's how it would be. They either accept the money or they don't. If Gary Lineker, say, offered a million a year, uh, you know, and he goes, uh, OK, I'll take it. Well, that's that's obviously the limit. You know, whatever they're offering, he, he takes or his agent negotiates a bit more. There's a bloke on Sky Television, on Sky News, with the worst tie I've ever seen, which doesn't go with anything. Change your outfit or try and get a stylist in, love, OK? He's wearing matching tie and handkerchief. I mean, seriously. Who has a handkerchief stuck in their top pocket? I mean, and a minty green tie. Blah, blah, blah. It really is quite dreadful. It doesn't go with anything. But that's the trouble I've discovered. Sky Television. I love Sky Television. I've been up there. There's loads of people. I don't know what they do. Loads of people up there. But um, but when, when they sort of do it, if ever you see Steve Dixon, he looks like they've inverted him into a creosote bath, brought him out and then waited for him to drip dry. And then they put him on the television. But I think the lighting's wrong. You know, you've got to really light somebody on television. It, it must be quite difficult to light people like that. Where's that? Where's that? It's not Cornwall, is it? Cornwall's terrible. They've been hit by all the floods and, and everything else. Look at that mint, mint green tie and a handkerchief with a horrible jacket. Doesn't, 
it, and a light grey suit. It just doesn't look right. You bet, you, you bet your bottom dollar he's got shorts on underneath that. Because I used to sit there wearing shorts when I used to read the news on, on telly. Because nobody sees your legs. You know, you just got the jacket and your shirt on underneath. And you, uh, that's the way it goes. You know, you wouldn't know what somebody was wearing, would you? Or even, what do I think Matt Fry wears? <laughs> I don't know. He was listening to this programme the other day. He laughed. <laughs> I do sometimes as well, which is quite nice. Ed Sheeran's quit Twitter again. He's not happy. You know why? People took the mickey out of him because he appeared on Game of Thrones. Uh, also, the benefit couple. I knew it wouldn't last. Uh, they were given so much money and they set up a company flogging stuff. They've decided not to do that. They've, uh, they've given up with that. Far too much like hard work, I should imagine. Far too much like hard work. And also the story which I was dying to bring you yesterday, but I couldn't because it was still in court. I had to wait for the for the outcome. And it's a policeman. It's a little police officer. In fact, I've got another story, which I also can't talk about because it's in court. But this particular story was about a policeman who has a share in a racehorse. It might or might not have been the one that he was going to watch. Anyway, he asked for time off in the police force and they said no. So he threw a sickie, which is what people do if they're so arrogant. You know, people go, oh, I can't make it in tonight. I feel very well. You know, somebody will say, you know, I'm sorry, you can't have any time off because we haven't got anybody to cover you. And they just take the sickie anyway, you know. And um, three times he takes a sickie off. He claimed he had irritable bowel syndrome. He claimed various other things and said that he needed to take time off because of the trauma of the job. Uh, and he was pictured at the races. Sadly, it was on the television of him jumping up and down, getting very excited. And so, uh, as I predicted yesterday, but I didn't say it because the court was in session, he's been fired. He's now got no job. So, uh, boo you, mate. Boo you. What a stupid person you were. You know, you're a police officer. You're supposed to uphold certain standards. I know that a few of you fall off the edge, and uh, those people we understand. Also, the thing that everybody was talking about yesterday was the nurses and how they're so poor and hard done by that they can't afford to pay to park their cars. They can afford to put petrol in the bloody thing, but they can't afford to actually sort of, you know, pay for parking at pound five pence a day. So I'm afraid we had very little sympathy yesterday, didn't we? We couldn't find anybody who had any sympathy for nurses or people that sort of pleaded poverty. I've had people saying before, nurses need to go to food banks and pick up... T- I thought, well, how can I afford to run a car? What does it cost to run a car now? Average insurance, over 400 Then you've got to buy the car. Then you've got to maintain it. Then you've got to get the tax discs. Then you... Because you don't drive, do you, Popsy? You don't drive a car. Is there a reason? Is it, were you banned or something? Or tagged or what? You've got the licence. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I agree with it. Do you not rent zip cars? A friend of mine rents these zip cars so he can go and get a car if he needs one, because at the end of his road, there's a little bay where they park it. And so he can go and get a car and just drive around town for a few hours. You know? Yeah. You rented a car in Ireland. Well, you'd have to there, wouldn't you? You'd have to, because it's, you know, it's long distances between here and there. It's either that or a horse-drawn caravan. Horse-drawn holidays in Ireland are very popular. And they always have a picture of, uh, of the caravan being pulled down a cunt. And I thought, what a nice existence. I could do that. The horse at night, all you do, you give it some water, give it something to eat, and you tether it in a field, and then you sit in the back of a caravan. It's obviously the word caravan and Ireland on this programme this morning. We've got the set, haven't we, today? We've got the set, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've got an umbrella with you. It's tipping it down outside. Tipping it down. Paul Smith, our newsreader, yesterday, we, we, we go out for lunch. He's got flip-flops on. I said, don't wear flip-flops tonight. It's going to tip it down. We've got thunder and lightning and all the rest of it. But um, it stopped raining, has it? Oh, blimey. With loads of lightning and, and all that kind of stuff. In fact, who was it who said they saw forked lightning? Oh, my friend Dan said he saw forked lightning. Is that where it hits earth, forked lightning? I can't remember. I don't know. 
comes in very... It's very pretty, though, isn't it? I'd love to get a picture of it, but uh, but I didn't. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Wet... My God, look at that water. Look at that water. You don't. You never realise, do you, the power of water until you see it. When we saw it in Boscastle, the other, uh, the other well, couple of years ago now, isn't it? Probably three years ago. And uh, the force of it was dragging cars down. Cars were floating on top of it. It was so bad. And then with the amount of rain that we've had, if you're in some of these beautiful little Cornish villages, what's right behind you? 2004, was it? Good God, it was even further, further ago than I thought. Um, uh, it was interesting that the old Cornish corner shop disappeared. Um, the flood in Boscastle was filmed and reported, but the floods in Crackington Haven and Rocky Valley weren't mentioned beyond the local news. I think the floods were the worst in uh, in local memory. I mean, it was it was just... It was like literally an ocean had kept... Because if ever you're down and the, be, behind you are mountains, the rain falls and it builds up and builds up and builds up and, and then it starts going down. Linmouth, I remember... Had uh, had a lot of trouble uh, years ago. I think 75 cars, five caravans, six buildings and several boats were washed into the sea. A hundred homes and businesses were destroyed. Some had to be demolished. Trees were uprooted. People were clinging to trees. I mean, it was the estimated cost of the damage, 15 million, which actually, in terms of what we lost, doesn't actually seem a huge amount, does it? I'm looking at houses, you know, for, for that miracle day where I sort of win the lottery. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was hurt. It was, you know, there were, I think, seven Westland-seeking helicopters who rescued about 150 people. There was no major injury. And 15 million, that's the cost of a, you know, a, not even a luxury house in, in Mayfair. They, they run in about 20 million at the moment. So 15 million. But I remember seeing it on the television. And now, you know, we've had all this, uh, this rain again. And, you know, places that look lovely. They had it down at Walton-on-Thames. Do you remember a few years back when, when the Thames flooded? Because all the water came down from up north and the Thames overflowed its banks. Walton, they'd only just cleared up their home. There was one particular lad. He's just taken out his mortgage and the home got flooded out completely. Didn't have any insurance. Put it all back together again. Lo and behold, within a month, flooded again for the second time. That's the trouble, isn't it? You live by a river and you think, oh, that'll be nice. It's nice to watch the river going past. But I mean, dangerous, I think. I mean, I'm strangely drawn to water, being a Piscean, uh, and I'd love to do it, but I'd have to be on higher ground. It's like if you live in certain parts of Alaska, is it they've got polar bears there or something. The houses are on stilts, because you don't want some polar bear crashing into your house. You're not going to be arguing with something that, when it stands up, can be up to 13 feet tall, thank you very much indeed. That's like something out of Harry Potter. Far too dangerous. Peter says, I prefer buses to trains. At least you can have a seat on a bus. On the tube, it's mission impossible. Tom Cruise would fail. And Ian said, the way the weathermen were talking yesterday, we were going to have storms of biblical proportions overnight. We've not had a drop of rain in Warwick. Want to come around here? We've had loads of rain. Loads of rain. Thunder and lightning. You know, cracks of thunder and cracks of lightning. Paul Smith's sitting out there going, do you hear that thunder? When I came in, he said, do you hear the thunder? I said, no. I said, but I saw the lightning. And that was, I think that's quite effective, isn't it? I should imagine if you're out in the countryside, that must be brilliant to watch something like that, to try and get some pictures taken of it. But we never do, do we? You'll, you'll have to rely on it, I think, for the, uh, for the papers for, for tomorrow. Uh, and Pauline says, around 11.30 this evening in Edmonton, the Fort Lightning was continuous. I've never seen a light show like it. Amazing. I know the force of nature is quite something, isn't it? It's only then that you realise, my God, there are stranger things in heaven and earth. Um... So, the 16-year-old girl who ran away to join ISIS, we found. Again, another one with the brain cells missing. There's a few of them. Uh, I think a few of them have been killed. 
Uh, one of them was armed. I think she was holding people hostage, one of the other ones. And uh, some of the women she was with in this group had suicide vests on. And uh, she had a machine gun, so if any of the hostages that they were holding moved, she was prepared to shoot them. This is some sick person in the head. And uh, some of them go, oh, we'd like to come back to the UK. I don't think so. I don't think we want you back ever again. In fact, uh, you know, they go over there. They're, they're sick people. They can't help it. Brooklyn Beckham's got another tattoo. There's something the matter with Brooklyn Beckham, isn't he? He's obviously started rebelling. He's only just hit 18, so now he's started rebelling. And uh, as I say, of course, the best thing is if he gets somebody pregnant. I'm hoping the parents have given him advice on that, but you never know, do you? Uh, Ed Sheeran quitting Twitter again. Um, he's, I think he's done it before, if memory serves, but it doesn't really matter. It was a few weeks ago, so he's, he's done it again. I don't think he likes getting criticised. George Michael quit Twitter, if you remember, because people started writing things, because of some sick people out there. But as I said to Ed Sheeran, all you have to do is just delete them. You know, you just have somebody who, who manages the account, and if there's something that comes to offensive, bleep, mute them. They, never, they, they can never write again until they go... And they don't know. If you mute them, they don't know that they've been muted. So they can keep sending stuff till, as I say, the cows come home. Also, Jeremy Corbyn got it so wrong. The gap in the rich and the poor is closing. Lots of poor people are actually very rich. Very rich. But, you know, Jeremy Corbyn likes to pretend. You know, the man who doesn't need to worry about sort of getting on buses or anything. There's always a private car sitting there for him. So I think he probably fits into the rich category. Uh, I don't know why The Weakest Link is returning. I can't think of, of any particular reason. Um, Anne Robinson has said... She, I mean, even she's admitted she's a bit old, but uh, she said, you know, I'm, I'm the woman with the acid tongue or something. And I thought, you're not really. Ask. The prize money was always pathetic. And they're going to do a celebrity version. So it'll be all the same people you've seen on every other blooming programme. And also... I'm reliably informed, now only take my word for this if you can take it with a pinch of salt, that people were feeding her the comedy line. So the programme took ages to record. They would do a bit, then they go, OK, hold on a sec, Anne, can you now say... And they would feed her lines. That's how the, how the story went. And then she would do it, and it made it look as though she was the Queen of Mean and all that. But it wasn't. It wasn't like that at all. A bit like Joan Rivers. A lot of her stuff was fed to her. She'd have somebody sitting there next to her writing it. And uh, so bringing it back with a celebrity version... I mean, you know, we don't have any more celebrities that we've not seen before. Every single BBC comedy programme's got the same people on it. Sometimes they go, oh, and this is, you know, a very funny person. You look at me and think, you're not funny at all, are you? You're really not funny. But they just seem to use them on the BBC. They don't seem to bother. Although I noticed on um, Countdown the other day, they had Chris Packham on there. He looked well out of his depth. Well out of his depth. He's an old man now, isn't he, really? Sort of, he's on there telling hilarious stories, which, of course, you know, aren't really that hilarious. But, uh, he, you know, people seem to like that kind of thing. It's all right. I don't mind the weakest, uh, not the weakest link. I don't mind Countdown. I think that's OK. I can't do it because it's crosswords, as you can imagine. And I don't do crosswords. Uh, also, the uh, the Doctor Hope of, uh, of Charlie's mum. This is Charlie Gard. We're still waiting. I don't know why it's taking so long. Surely him being the expert in things like this should be able to tell within a short space of time whether or not there is an opportunity of him being able to operate on this child who might be brain dead. We don't know. That's how that he, he has access to all the all the charts and all the photographs and everything else. So he will know whether or not it seemed to be taking too long. I thought if it was fairly straightforward, which I suspect it probably isn't, then he would be able to say, uh, well, judging by the brain scans that I've seen, I can operate and there would be a, a reasonable chance. But he's blind and, and uh, deaf, I think, at the same time. And he's not regained consciousness for ages. He's being kept alive by the machine. If you take him off the machine, 
they think he will uh, he will die. Um, the holidaymaker, love this one, just been hit with a fine uh, over false food poisoning claims. You know, people go on holiday and then they go, well, our holiday was ruined because we spent most of our holiday in bed because of food poisoning. This uh, this family's just been hit with a with a fine. £25,000. £25,000 because they're lying, little scumbags. That's what they are. They've gone into court and they've deliberately lied. The court proved, you know, that they didn't have food poisoning at all. So £25,000. So a lot of people who'd instructed people to go for it have started backing out as fast as possible. Because, you know, hit with a £25,000 fine, that's, that's kind of serious money. I watched a programme the other day. It was a rather dreary programme. And it was on the BBC, so that kind of figures. And this was about, you know, local bobbies. You know, where sort of people turn and go, hello. They're a bit like the New Zealand bobbies. I mean, you can get away with murder in New Zealand. You know, so, so you've been growing cannabis. Yeah, we managed to find, uh, managed to find the farm, mate. Uh, w- would you like to come down the police station have a chat about it? What do you mean, would you like to come down the police? Put them in handcuffs, drag them down their screaming pond life like that. And uh, this was a story about... Um, some bloke who made malicious calls. Remember last week on the programme, I played you some clips of people who just phone up and waste people's time. As I say, they've generally got screws loose. And there was one particular woman. She's been jailed now because she's a persistent waster of police time and the operators who sit there. I'd have put the phone down on these people years before. You know, hello, this is so-and-so, so-and-so. Uh, what service do you require? I'd just like to say I think it's awful. Yes, sir. And they sit there patient. Stop wasting time. Just go goodbye and put the phone down. This bloke called thousands of times. He was a rather stupid ignoramus. He really was. In fact, the more you heard him, the more irritating he became. He had one of those boring voices. Anyway, he'd been to uh, he'd been warned before. Do not make any more of these calls because you're wasting the operator's time. You're taking the police away and the ambulance and everything else from from emergencies that could be offered to people out there. And this man was so thick, so dumb that he didn't think about it. And so um, at the end, one of the operators said, we are sending the police round to you. Oh, yeah. When, you, when you're doing that, he goes at the other end. You could tell he was an idiot because he thought he was very clever. Uh, in the end, they went round. They wouldn't open the door. So they smashed it in and they took him out in handcuffs. And um, he's just one of those annoying little people. Anyway, in court, he pleaded guilty to making uh, police time wasting phone calls. Thousands. Thousands, but he'd take no notice. They fined him £700, and he was banned from ever doing it. Luckily, they never heard from him ever again. And if they do, they'll be dragging him off to prison. Stupid old man. Nothing worse, is there, than stupid people who uh, who don't get the message. And he didn't get the message, and he was wasting the operator's time. I mean, one woman said she was on the phone for 45 minutes. And I began to think, I think you need retraining, dear. I'd have put the phone down long before. What's your name? Mr. So-and-so, I'm sorry. Because his name would flash up. It flags up. Like, we, we can see here, if you call LBC or any other place and you've called that before, you can see it says, you know, the last time somebody called because it comes from a number. It's, we, we, we've had it for years now. It's a system. It's like somebody calls my mobile. I can see straight away if it's somebody I know, because their name will be in there. If it's not somebody whose name is in my data bank, I don't answer the call. And you can tell that it's cold calling because they don't leave messages either. I got one the other day, missed call. Didn't have the number put up on it. And I thought, well, I don't know who this person is, so I'm not going to answer it. And I don't, but they never leave a message. So that's how you know. And they had a woman there as well. She'd had a phone call, a cold caller, who said, oh, hello, listen, I'm from your bank. That was how vague it was. I'm from your bank. Um, We've had... 
uh, some information that somebody's accessed your bank account. Okay, and so she said yes. And they went, listen, can you go to the bank and take out £500, bring it back, and we will send somebody round to see you, but don't say anything to the bank. And she was a fairly elderly woman, so she mentioned it to a neighbour who ran her to the bank and also called the police. And when she gets to the bank, she explains to them what's happened, having been told not to, which was just as well she did. And she seemed reasonably normal, but obviously she fell for it, hook, line and sinker. And um, and then it turned out that some woman was going to turn up in a taxi to collect this £500. And the bank said to her, we will never phone you and tell you that at all. It will never, ever happen. So that's my advice. Because people get caught out all the time. Thousands of pounds goes missing because people... See, I would want the police to be hiding in the house waiting until the woman comes in to collect the money and then arrest them. Then arrest them. They also got a shoplifter, but I'll tell you about that one in a moment. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Wednesday, 19th of July. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on uh, on LBC. Michael says, I can assure you each ep of Weakest Link took around 100 minutes to record each 45-minute episode and no one fed Anne lines. I'm reliably informed it does go on. I'm reliably informed. To make her look wittier and funnier, uh, they, uh, they do stop and start and they do feed lines. They don't feed through an earpiece. I don't think she wears an earpiece. In fact, I know quite a number of people who don't uh, wear earpiece. I don't think Dale Winton wore an earpiece for uh, for the lottery or anything else. He doesn't like wearing an earpiece. Uh, but I'm reliably informed they feed her lines because she's fairly ancient and uh, they can see something quite funny. And so it's stop, start, stop, start. Listen, if it's 100 minutes to record 45 minutes, and we know television's slow, but by God, I do a 22-minute in-conversation interview and it takes 22 minutes. Why? Because I don't make mistakes. And we go straight through. Because people always say, oh, you'll be editing that. I go, no, we certainly won't, I promise you. Uh, You made Kermit so sad, you Muppet. This is a bloke who voiced Kermit for years and years. And then he uh, complained. He said, I don't think Kermit would do this. Because he thought he knew the character. They thought he was being disrespectful to Jim Henson. So they fired him. Because I suppose it's like working for Disney, isn't it? You know, you don't start dissing the mouse because the mouse, you know, has built a fortune on the top of it. And I think in the case of Comey, uh, that um, they, they, they had a certain standard. He'd been doing it for, I mean, it, must, it was like 23 years he'd been voicing Kermit. So they, they found somebody else now. I don't know, honestly. It's awful, isn't it, really? Uh, plus, uh, Love Island's Jamie Jewett turns out to be a liar. Uh, this is the one whose uh, who's brother is in prison. Drugs. Drug dealing. and uh, But Jamie... The reason he's a liar, he ditched his girlfriend so he could go into Love Island. That's how desperado these people are. Apparently his girlfriend was a Victoria's Secret model. Woo! Classic. Uh, vaping, believed to, uh, to beat Siggy's. I don't know why, actually. I don't know why vaping. You do see people walking down the street, don't you? I remember seeing somebody sitting on a bus once. I said to him, I said, can you not do that on the bus? It's horrible. Horrible. And uh, I believe it's illegal as well now. So, uh, and Britain, uh, Britain's top the Magaluf Yobs list for that read drunk has beens who go out there, get very drunk. You know, you see them on the television. Yeah, there's a camera there. They go, but uh, girls pull their tops down. Blokes turn around and show their bottoms and that kind of stuff. And we go, oh, that's the Brits on holiday, isn't it? Pond life. Uh, the sexist ads. Well, all the papers have got very excited about this. Looking at ads, which, you know, which they think. And Nanette Newman. And said, how can they ban my sexist fairy liquid ads yet allow sex on Love Island? I don't... Because well, I think sexist and sex are two different things. Um, but it's, you know, mummy, why are your hands so soft? Because daddy does the washing up. 
It's as simple as that. But they sort of they they love the idea of doing these uh, these adverts, and then you have to decide if it's a sexist advert. Linda Bellingham did, was the Oxo family mum. You know, she was lovely, and they go, oh no, no, don't think like that. Shows the wrong thing. I mean, to be honest with you, why they haven't got gay families in there? I don't know. In which case, that would then be offensive, wouldn't it, to straight people? Uh, also, uh, Jenny Logan on the shaken would do the shaken vac and put the freshness back. Sexist. Why? Because it's a woman pushing a vacuum cleaner. But unfortunately, women do push vacuum cleaners. I don't know why these people from the advertising stands authority. They're right pain in the rear end, aren't they? Uh, also, uh, the road to feminism. Model Paula Hamilton keeping the VW. Uh, also, the milk tray man makes a call. I mean, sorry, should be a woman. Should be a woman. Get Daisy Lowe to deliver it to Louise Redknapp. You know, got a box of chockers for you, babe. She'll get on the town again. Come on, this way. You know, that's how you want things. But I, d- I don't look at an advert and think it's sexist. You know, I mean, I didn't see, you know, Nanette Newman and Fairy Liquid as being sexist. She thinks it's patronising nonsense. And also, the Cadbury's Flake Girl. Oh, we know all about the Cadbury's Flake Girl because she listens to this programme. And and they did it where she unwrapped the flake very slowly and then sort of and ate it. And they're going, oh, we can't have that. Can't have that. Yet they'll have people, you know, making love, if you want to call it that, on Love Island. And Faye Weldon says, once upon a time, back in my Mad Men days, when I was head of copywriting for an advertising agency, my most successful advert was Housewives. Now you can afford to pay for the central heating out of your monthly housekeeping. I just don't say... Quentin Lett says they're corny. They're not corrosive. The Advertising Standards Authority have obviously sort of overestimated their power or underestimated the great British public who think you're a bunch of what's-its. They're not interested in what you think. Having seen this poor bloke on the television the other day who was wrapped up in knots by some bloke going, where are you coming from? What are you talking about? There's no evidence to suggest that people then go, oh, stereotype. What are you saying to me? Are you saying that sort of women standing in the kitchen you know, cooking, the meal for the family, kind of, you know, that was my, that was my family. You know, my, my mother cooked meals, you know, and, and put them on the table for us. And my mother did vacuuming. We didn't do it, not because we were boys, it's just because that's what my mum did. She was, a, she was a housewife. She loved it. She loved cooking. Absolutely loved it. She did the cleaning. She was the most perfect cleaner you'll ever find. Yet apparently it's sexist to do things like that. I suggest the Advertising Standards Authority must be a bunch of old ninnies. Sitting there, a bunch of old fogies. Well, you can't have that. You should transgender people nowadays. You don't offend anybody. They seem to think that kids are going to see these images. I mean, you know, and Virgin Atlantic's red-hot ad, ad campaign with loads of stunning women all wearing red. The pilot is a man. Well, that's out straight away. Why can't the pilot be a woman? Well, they might have some women flying for Virgin. Why don't you just hot off? Because people are so bored with you. Perhaps it's so you can sort of get some attention for yourself. But really... Really, I ask you, is anybody offended by these things? Is anybody seriously offended? No, of course not. Of course not. Here's one of these thugs prowling around. Very difficult to tell uh, anything about them. They wear gloves and they cover their uh, faces with sort of like a balaclava. If you see these sort of people, I suggest we just literally push them off their bikes. We push them. These these ones here had a stolen moped and one was holding an 18-inch machete. When they get you, girly boy... You're going straight to prison. Straight to prison. But uh, riders have also been ambushed at traffic lights. They reckon that teenagers are stealing mopeds, some throwing acid before committing dozens of crimes for the thrill. Obviously certain people, I don't know anybody who would ever do anything like that. They're rather, they're rather pathetic, aren't they? But uh, there's going to be a whole raft of you going to prison soon. I'm sure you'll love every minute of it. 
Most of you riding side saddle. But just watch it. Do not stand by the side of the road, please. Do not, um, do not sort of start texting and then wondering, you know, why somebody's going to go past. I wouldn't even dream of standing by the side of the road texting or looking at my telephone. It's way too dangerous. In case you're a bit stupid, I'm not actually suggesting you push them off their moped, but there is a couple here. They were attacked by two people on a moped and they pushed them off. The other one was trying to get away as fast as possible and they, they, they pushed him to the ground and um, and they were being quite violent. But they, if somebody's got a machete, what are we supposed to do? Stand there and go, oh, just chop me to pieces. Why don't you? That time the police pulled their blooming finger out on this one, I think. Mind you, when, you know, some of them are nipping off to the races... We're losing police officers. We need to make sure we've got more police officers on the street. Uh, London Mayor Sadiq Khan has reignited his feud with Donald Trump, saying the UK should not roll out the red carpet. I don't think there's much Mr Khan can do about it. If the MPs decide to roll out the red carpet, they'll roll out the red carpet, no matter what you say. The producer appeared as a witness in a case against somebody wielding a machete in public. I don't even know where you get machetes. What was the end result of the case? Jailed. Twelve and a half years. Fantastic. I tell you, I mean, I, I would be out there. I don't, it's difficult to tell, isn't it, who these people are. But uh, I think what you do is, we had it in Richmond. An old man who's since died, not as a result of anything, but uh, he had a go at two people who were trying to smash a jewellery shop window. Who's this one here? This is uh, a machete-wielding man, jailed after attacking a father at Catford Bridge Station. Is this the one? Oh, right. He was sentenced to 12 and a half years following a 10-day trial. Damien Huxtable, he'd earlier pleaded not guilty to one count of grievous bodily harm. Uh, Huxtable, also known as Omar Brown, (laughs) yeah, right, uh, arrived at the station by bus, became embroiled in a fight. Then he says, I'm going to chop off your head. But uh, no, definitely not. A horrific attack. Only a matter of, uh, of good fortune. The victim's injuries were not more severe. He's shown no remorse. So 12 and a half years. I'm sure you're currently enjoying your, your life inside, making lots of new male friends, I should imagine. You know, they'd be lovely, wouldn't it? So Damien Huxable, jailed. That was what he came, happened five years ago. So he's still in prison. Good. Hope you're listening, Damien. Girly boy. Ridiculous, isn't it? We've got to stop these people. They're, 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 there's some serious illnesses going around. Seriously. Some serious illnesses that the, these people have got. And uh, this one here with an 18-inch machete... And, uh, oh, Michael says, I know, because I was an assistant floor manager. Oh, you're way out of line, dear, an assistant floor manager. Most stop starts were from resetting of lights, music and resetting the boards. Well, I have it on even better authority. And she doesn't wear an earpiece, Michael. She doesn't wear an earpiece. And I didn't say they fed her lines into an earpiece. She was given lines. You were only an assistant floor manager. I'm sorry, that doesn't even count as floor manager, does it, really? <laughs> this weekend, I'm going to my first circus. And my first theatre trip. How exciting, says Dino. Drink soon or gym? Yeah, yeah. I'd, well, it, it, I think it's going to be... You've never been to the circus before. You've never been to the circus. How can you go... You've never been to the circus either. Oh, blimey. Two of you have never been to... How can you not go to the circus... God, I went to the circus when I was a child. I went to see Bertram Mill Circus at Olympia, the circus that travelled by train, and it was there every Christmas with an indoor fun fair. Coco the Clown. Um, have your picture taken with a with a monkey, with a chimpanzee, which I think somewhere we've probably still got. It must be in a book somewhere. But uh, I used to, to go and see the circus, and I loved it. And then I went to Billy Smart Circus. I've been to a couple of other, couple of other circus. I went with Paul Smith. We went to a circus in uh, in Twickenham. We loved it. We absolutely loved it. 
We thought it was absolutely brilliant. And uh, I just like the idea. The thing I like about circuses is not, not the, the act, surprisingly. It's the fact that it all packs up. It's un- and when you see the when you see the uh, the circus pulling down or or setting up, it's all the performers. They aren't that uh, that snobby that they don't have anything to do with the pulling down or anything else. Even if it's raining, they're all in there taking out the seating and everything. They might have just done a high wire act. You need to read that book, The Circus is Coming, by Noel Stretfield. One of my favourite circus books written back in the 1940s about a couple of kids who run away to join the circus. Their uncle Gus is in a circus. He's a clown and a tightrope walker. Uh, Or pick up a copy of The uh, British Circus Life by Lady Eleanor Smith. The definitive circus guide, you know, from from long, long ago. But, oh, I could travel with a circus. I could travel with... I'd love to sell ice creams and everything else and things that light up and stuff like that. God, yes. Definitely. Definitely. I've still got Bertram Mills's uh, inkwell, which was given to me by uh, by a lovely listener some years ago, and it's the inkwell that went on his desk, and I've still got it. Ha 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 ha! But no circus, I love. Bridget loves circus. Uh, loads of people like circus. I just I'd like anything like that. Circus, fun fair, you name it, I'm there. Uh, so uh, so you will enjoy the circus. It depends which one you're going to see, Dino. I don't know which circus you're going to see. But uh, there are some good ones out there. Um, it could be, well, the American circus is touring the Russian circus, which I think is a British circus, but they've got Russian performers. Uh, there's also, God, I'm trying to think how many other circus. There's loads. If you get a copy of, which you won't be able to find, because you have to order it, World's Fair, it gives you a list of all the touring circuses and, uh, and where they're appearing. It's lovely. I'd love to, love to join just for a, a year. Take, take my own caravan. And you just pull onto the sights and then you sort of... How exciting. Mind you, fine in the, uh, in, in the nice weather, but when it's miserable and raining, nobody, nobody wants to, uh, to do that at all. And also, who wants to take down the circus tent? Moscow State Circus. They're at Northweald this weekend. So they, they pull in and they're going to do from the 19th to the 23rd of July. So they pull in, put up the tent, and just for a few, a few things... How lovely, honestly. God, my sort of thing. They've got two shows on the Wednesday, two on the Thursday, two on the Friday, two on the Saturday, two on the Sunday. And it starts today. So good luck to the Moscow State Circus. And um, it's going about all over the place. There's one, actually, there's a fun fair going to be, uh, I think it's Irving's. They're going to be uh, down at Shepherd's Bush Green. I think they're in for a month. I think they're in for a month, Irving's. And uh, that's sort of... Uh, they, they also rent out rides. This is George Irving, who we've interviewed on LBC. I love circus. I absolutely love it. And they're, uh, they're all over the place. Shepherd's Bush from the 21st of July. Must be very soon. That's Friday. Until the 20th of August. Uh, then they're doing Burgess Park. Shepherd's Bush is everything. Open daily, one till ten. One till ten. And they, they do it on tokens now, because it's easy. It saves people who are working on the rides being tempted by money. So if it's if it's tokens, you know, you do it. They're also, the profits go to the Mayor of Hammersmith and Fulham's Charity Appeal and the Grenfell Tower Charity Appeal, which actually, oh, there's no cash on the rides or inflatables. Token fare only. So it's 10 for £10 or £1.20 each. And the number of tokens per ride varies. It's, it's like Winter Wonderland, exactly the same as Winter Wonderland. What did... Yes, it's good. Did you read that thing the other day, though? The people from, from Grenfell, all this money's come in. The percentage that they've had is pathetic. It's seriously, there is tons and tons of clothing that's come in that's not going to these people. 
It's being sold by the Red Cross in their shops. There was, there was a big thing about it in the paper the other day that all this money has come in, millions and millions of pounds, over 20 million, and, and they haven't, they've hardly received anything at all. They've hardly received anything. Half of the Grenfell donations have not been sorted. And that says the, says the Red Cross. They've got 174 tonnes of items. And uh, the challenge is, uh, is really off the scale. But apparently they said 10 tonnes, less than 6%, will soon be made available to residents of the burnt-out tower block. What do you mean? This is five weeks ago. Five weeks ago. They've got thousands of items and all the rest of it. £20 million in private donations. Less than 800,000 has been given out. 800,000 out of 20 million. Something's gone wrong somewhere, isn't it? Something's gone wrong. And the leaders have demanded to know how money collected for the victims of the blaze will be distributed. Nobody's been consulted on how it's going to be spent. I told you, the moment there's money involved, this will be, oh, we're doing long term, or we're doing this, or we're doing that. So the Grenfell uh, Tower people are going to be having a, a public meeting. This is their response team with the residents, including an update on their work. It's, it's gone a bit slow, hasn't it? It's gone a bit slow, this. They want to know how this money's going to be distributed. £20 million has come in. Less than 800000 has been given out. And there's tonnes and tonnes of clothing and all sorts of things which the Red Cross can't cope with. Well, then give it to all the other charities. Let them raise money and have a special section of the shops. We've, all got, we've just closed our Farrah shop because it was for Romanian orphans, of which up here we don't have any Romanian orphans anymore. And um, so that, that shop has closed in, in Twickenham. It'll probably open up as another charity shop. We seem to be the home of charity shops now. You know, people donate stuff and then, and then other people sell it and make money out of it. Uh, 84850, why have women got small feet? Joe says so they can get nearer to the sink to do the washing up. He said it's a joke. Why can't people lighten up? It'll be illegal to have a sense of humour soon. Oh, God, nobody's got any sense of humour, have they? You've only got to say something. You have to justify saying something because somebody's a bit simpler than most other people and they don't quite understand what it is. You know, and that's why you sort of, you sort of worry, don't you, really? Because people complain about everything nowadays. You know, they're immediately sort of on the phone complaining to whoever. You know, 100 people complained about people having sex on Love Island um, and uh, an Ofcom said, well, that's what people would expect. You know, I'm expecting Sooty Sweep and Sue to be at it very shortly. I'm sure they're a happy threesome. What do you reckon, ladies and gentlemen? That would make it more interesting, wouldn't it? You know, and then all the other things, you know, Andy Pandy and his friend Luby Lou in the box. You know, the Wooden Tops, uh, who were a very happy little egotistical family with Spotty Dog, who seemed to take control of everything. Then you had Bill and Ben, the flowerpot men, and the stuff they were smoking, weed. And uh, she was in the middle, weed! And used to watch it and you used to think, I thought this was really great, actually. <laughs> and now you look back on it, it was rubbish. But I still watch it. All those things, you know, all those things that you can that you can read about and sort of take on board. And then you go, oh, I don't know, really. Was, was that right? You know, when, when sort of we had uh, we had the three bears and Goldilocks. I mean, what was she doing wandering in the forest by herself anyway? You know, and she wanders into this house and starts sort of eating people's food. I mean, I'd have had the forest police round immediately, had the old bag arrested, thrown in prison, and three bears who talk. Nobody questioned the fact. Who's been sleeping in my bed? Who's been eating my porridge? What a talking bear! Where's that from? You know, Peter Pan, best friend, a fairy. I rest my case, flying around and doing all sorts of things. Then we're going to go off here and oh dear, honestly, children's 
fairy stories, children's nursery rhymes, all of those kind of things. Hans Christian Andersen, you know, loved sitting down telling children stories. Nowadays, it's clowns and things like that. People, oh, clowns are scary. And there are some people, there's a name for a fear of clowns. I can't remember what it is, but it's, it's sort of something. And you think, how can you have a fear of clowns? I thought people liked clowns. But apparently there are some people who are a bit scared of them. I'm not scared of clowns. Much. I don't know that many. I'm sure there must be. It's called chorophobia. So it's a, it's a phobia. It's it's a, a neologism, a ne- neologism. So I've never even heard of that. I suppose it could be seen as as quite scary, couldn't it? There have been films with scary. Cl- I'm looking at a picture of a scary clown there. There's killer clowns. Oh, was that last year? What was killer clowns? Oh, oh, that's right. Yes, killer. Yes, I remember that one. Yes, it is scary though, isn't it? I think it's scary. Does you see the bit on the news about some poor reporter up in Leicester, I think, doing a report, and behind her is uh, is one of these people who sits on a pole or something, one of these mime artists, you know, walking on a tightrope. No, you're not. And uh, but they are muscle, muscle. No, you're not, dear. Okay. So round here we've got them all on poles. It's all the uh, it's all the gangs who take money. They're all dressed as Yoda. It's really pathetic to watch, but uh, they're they're controlled by gangmasters who take the uh, the money from them. And so people, and they stand there waving at children. Scary. I don't know why we don't get rid of them. Why has London got these people here? They're ghastly. Absolutely ghastly. But I do like the mum. Here she is. So, have we got a break? Have I not done it? Well, that's ridiculous, honestly. How have I got this far without... To, oh, blimey, it's about the latest we've ever been, is it? Let's do it quickly, but don't tell anybody. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, Martin says, talking of circuses, there is a series coming up on uh, television this week about the kids that work in circuses. Yeah, I've seen it, because that's what you do. If, if, you, if your parents are in the circus, then nine out of ten times you, you tend to join them in the circus. So from an early age, kids are learning how to be acrobats and tightrope walkers and stuff like that. Martin Lacey, who's got a wild uh, animal act... I think his son, Martin Lacey Jr., I'm pretty I might have got that wrong, actually, uh, takes his act all over the world, you know, with his, uh, with his tigers and lions and everything else. Somebody says, you've been to Whitby lately. I haven't been to Whitby ever. I wonder if I want to go to Whitby. What's in Whitby? Where's Whitby? Is that Yorkshire? No, I've never been to Whitby. I don't think so. People, uh, sorry, read the sexist ad, says Suzanne. People, <coughs> sorry, calling the digestive flake ad sexist. What about the topless hunks in the Diet Coke ads? Or a current yoghurt ad with young men in tiny swimming trunks? People see what they want to see. Of course. I wish the Advertising Standards Authority would go and tiddle off somewhere else and go and do something more interesting. You know, because it's it's so, so boring. It really, nobody cares. Nobody cares what they sort of, what they say. Uh, Pauline says, I was forced to go to a circus when I was seven Purely, uh, my mum wanted to go and needed a child, so she didn't look silly going on her own. I know, I've been by myself. I thought I was going to be eaten by a tiger. I had nightmares for years afterwards due to clowns and uh, scratched all my leg on the helter skelter. I hate circuses. My mum finds it funny. That's uh, 38 years later. Yeah, I find it fairly funny, actually. Fairly funny. But uh, I, I do like circuses. I can't help it. It's just I like the idea, as I say, that it's a town that arrives... One minute, and, that, and that all that's left at the end is a ring of sawdust. Or most of them don't use sawdust now. They used to, and it was all prettily designed and everything else, uh, because they're bringing stuff in and out. But I still think there's something nice about a town that sort of packs up, and then they all trundle on in the early hours of the morning, then they set up somewhere else. I love it. Uh, Warren is in Barbados. 
I know. What a hardship. 32 degrees. He says, I've spent two days on the beach. I've done nothing. Needed it after a party weekend. He says, but... Uh, sorry, Bahamas. Not not Barbados. It's in the Bahamas. Whatever it is, it sounds good. It doesn't interest me. It doesn't... It, I'm really not... Uh, oh, God, we've got the news coming up very shortly as well. I'm deter- I'm forgetting everything this morning. Seriously. I will tell you about the mum who took revenge on the commuters who made a stand. She's breastfeeding. And uh, she's been to Great Ormond Street. She's got the complete set, this one, so she's, she can't find commuters to, uh, to let her sit down. Of course, everybody looks out the window, don't they? Uh, EastEnders Paul in the Jungle Horror Fall. He's, uh, he's OK, we think. We're not too sure. Uh, vaping, back to beat Siggy's. Britain tops the Magaluf Yobs list. Katie Price, hilariously, is training as a paramedic. Apparently, she'd always wanted to be a nurse. Yeah, whatever. It's going to take five years. Whatever. Uh, you made Kermit so sad, you muppet. Apparently, uh, they wanted to change Kermit, the way he was heading. And the person said, well, I don't think Jim Henson would have done that. So they fired him after 23 years. And the sicky racist copper, fired. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's early breakfast. It's Wednesday, the 19th of July. And no matter where you are in the country, nobody, it seems, can escape the uh, the bad weather. We've had the lightning, the thunder... Uh, There's been flooding in various parts of the country, especially down in Cornwall. And uh, in London, we've just had lightning, thunder and loads and loads of rain. But I mean, goodness sake, it's it's England. We have rain. Who cares? Uh, Right. Uh, Stories in the papers today. First of all, the uh, stories which are doing the rounds, the adverts, which was a story that started yesterday about the fact that they're sexist. This is the Advertising Standards Authority getting their knickers in a twist and thinking they're reinventing the wheel. Whereas, in fact, we're way ahead of them. We're far more intelligent. Nobody ever sort of comes back years later and goes, I was very affected by seeing a child pushing a pretend Dyson. You know, that doesn't work at all. Uh, The moped thugs, they're all over the place at the moment. And uh, one particular group of people on an estate in London took the law into their own hands, pushed them off the bike, and then held one of them down till the police arrived. The other one scooted off as fast as his legs would carry him. And uh, we've got to get these people arrested. They nick these bikes, then they go around committing crimes. And um, and the police are on to that. I think they've already captured one uh, one gang of people, which is great, isn't it? I'm all in favour of that. Let's build more more of these uh, these prisons to throw them in. And then there was the paramedic who was flagged down uh, by three three men. She thought it was an incident. They immediately, the moment she pulled in, they pulled balaclavas over their faces and squirted her with acid over her uh, over her face. She went to hospital. She's okay. But again, a very traumatising thing. Uh, The new mum, I'll come round to her in a moment, who took revenge on commuters who made her stand. But there again, you know, not unusual to see women standing on the the trains now. In this case, if you've got a seat, you hang on to it. You know, manners have gone out the window. It doesn't... Very rarely do you see it. Very rarely do you see somebody... If it was an old lady that got on, then obviously everybody would stand. I'm assuming everybody would stand. But I see on the buses, you know, young school children sitting on seats designed for elderly people. And elderly people having to go past them to find another seat. You feel like saying, Oi, get out of that seat. It's not for you. You read the little sign. It's for stupid people. It tells you this is for people not able to stand. I make a move. I make a move, seriously. Uh, the holiday maker goes into uh, court trying to pretend that they've had food poisoning on holiday. And um, turns out they hadn't. They were just making it up. So they've been fined for making false food poisoning claims. How much? £25,000. I mean, I think that's that's quite steep, actually. But good if it stops these. Uh, cr- Sorry, I should imagine they feel very sick now. Perhaps they perhaps they've decided to go sick now. Twenty five thousand pounds. What for? Because you lied. Because you lied. You were trying to fraudulently obtain money from a company, 
And it could have put a hotel out of business, but uh, you've been fined £25,000. They're doing it for a lot of them. So uh, the advice is, you know, if, uh, if, if it is a fraudulent claim, and you know whether it's fraudulent or not, be very, very careful. Very, very careful indeed, because you could find yourself... Imagine being fined £25,000. Presumably, you're a bit of a tow rag anyway, because you've tried to claim money that uh, isn't, isn't yours. Um, how much do the BBC stars earn? This is going to come out in the papers later on today, and you're going to find out that uh, Graham Norton earns £1.5 million, and Gary Lineker might earn £1.7 million. But I don't care. I seriously don't care. I don't care if Chris Evans earns ten times what I earn. It makes no difference. As long as you're happy doing it, and as long as you're happy with what you've got, why would you worry about what somebody else earns on the BBC? I know they keep telling us it's our BBC. What they mean is it's their BBC. They they do with it what they want to do. They basically... I mean, you, you won't find out the exact number. All you'll find out is is for those ones that they want, they want to sort of tell you about. And I don't care. Do you care if Gary Lineker's earning a million pounds a year or two? I couldn't care less. Old Juggies can sit there and do anything he wants. If they think he's worth that much, he's worth that much. He'd be silly, wouldn't he, to actually say... You know, he's a, bit, he's a bit like Prince Charles, isn't he, in the ear department? He, he, he looks like a World Cup by himself, bless, bless his heart. But it doesn't matter what somebody's earning. You know, do you know what Prince Charles earns in a year? Do you know what the Queen earns in a year? Yeah, we've got a rough idea how much money goes into the coffers. But it doesn't matter. It's not going to change your life in any way, shape or form. Unless you're just a very jealous person. You don't like people who've got nice things because they've worked for it, you know. You know, I don't know what Paul Smith earns when he reads the news. I've got a rough idea. And, uh, you know, but it's not up to me to tell you. Three and six a day. Um, you know, and sometimes, you know, he gets a curly-whirly on a Friday, and that's a bit of a treat for him. He's very happy with things like that. This morning, I gave him some Quality Street. Couldn't wipe the smile off his face. Yesterday, he sat there freezing to death, having a, a Byron burger. He said, oh, I felt so stuffed yesterday. And uh, a bit like a vine leaf. And I said to him, I said, yeah, because you had two burgers. He had the double cheeseburger. You know, I just had the small economy burger. And he also had chips and onion rings. I just, I just, I had three chips. Little tiny, French, little tiddly bits. And I might have had three, three onion rings, because I quite like onion rings. And, uh, and I had a strawberry milkshake and a bottle of water, which we shared. But I noticed that gradually, as the, as the meal wore on, and God knows it wore on, the, the bottle of water moved to his side of the table. It wasn't on my side of the table at all. And when it started, it was in the middle. Because I said, oh, I have a bottle of still water. For the two of you, yes, the two of us. Well, I poured myself a glass of, of, of water and then he had some water. And then the, that was the last I saw of the bottle. It went the other side of the table. I, didn't, I nearly had a dessert, but I didn't know what sort of desserts they do in there. I didn't, I didn't really fancy a dessert. But I did away. See, I was good. Whereas he had the bun with the double cheeseburger and the bacon and all the other bits on it. I had the burger without the bun and a small side salad, which I think... And we got free chips, mainly because I think she made a mistake. Because originally he wanted to order chips. And then he and I said, OK, order, order chips. And then he said, oh, no, we'll have onion rings. I thought, oh, nothing worse than going out with somebody who's indecisive over lunch. And uh, so, so I said, all right, we'll have onion rings. So, but when it came, we had chips and onion rings. And then she said, oh, the, the chips are complimentary, which was quite nice. And boy, did he down them. You know, a portion that should have gone for two people. You know, I didn't get a, I didn't even get a look in. Seriously, honestly, I was very lucky. I know, a lot of, lot of anger. I know, Trossocks. That's what it is, isn't it? It's the Trossocks. Brings it out in people. You know, in the in the Trossocks, they don't have this. You know, chips and it. I mean, I literally watched him. He's it, he started being all sort of good and using his fork. 
for picking up the chips. We then descended within about half a second into fingers. So, you know, you've got his fingers going into his mouth, then back into the chips again. You could see the saliva being ripe, wiped around the chips. It was terrible. And then he moaned. He moaned all throughout the middle. Oh, it's so cold. I'm so cold. It's going. I'm so cold. The other morning, he turns up, and he's got flip-flops on. I mean, I ask you. Like he's on the beach. Like he's on the beach. I said to him, I'll bring some sand in. We'll throw it down. I'll put up a parasol. He's got his flip-flops with him. It's absolutely tipping it down outside. It's dry now. But I said to him, when you go into work, take some other shoes on. Because he's cold. Has he got a coat? No. Has he got socks on? No. You've got proper shoes on, but you haven't got any socks on, have you? They are slippy shoes. They're little, they're little sort of beach, beach sort of shoes. And no coat. You know, and he sat there under air conditioning yesterday, like, oh, we had moan, moan, moan. Seriously, you've got an umbrella. You won't need it, it's dry. Of course, the car's gone. Yeah. <laughs> he said to me earlier on, he said, there's all this lightning. He said, I think I might be hit by lightning. I said, you don't get hit by lightning in town. You get hit by lightning if you're in, you know, a park in the countryside or something like that, or in the Trossachs or the Cairngorms or something like that. Uh, but not in town you won't get hit by lightning because the buildings will, will absorb it. So it's not going to hit you. Mind you, if I was controlling the lightning, I'd be chasing you down the street. I'd be going, run! And you'd be running, there'd be sort of sparks flying from his heels and everything else. And just as he gets to the car, I'd be going, and the car would vanish in a puff of smoke. He'd be on the phone to me immediately. My car's gone, Steve. It's been taken by lightning. Have you got the hole in the roof sorted out? Yeah, it's still not been sorted out. You know that you're going back to a flood, don't you? You know that you're going back to a flood. It used to be, there's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. Now it's, there's a hole in my roof, dear Steve, dear Steve. There's a hole in my roof, dear Steve, a hole. Well, fix it, dear Paul, dear Paul, dear Paul. Well, fix it, dear Paul, dear Paul. Fix it. With what shall I fix it, dear Steve, dear Steve? With your head, dear Paul. Dear... <laughs> we don't know. I sh... <laughs> I sh... Builders come around Friday. There won't be a roof by the time you get to Friday. Have you seen how much rain there was last night? It was bucketing down. It was really bad. Should you not have put a bucket underneath it? I mean, I do worry, honestly. Sometimes your life is so sort of complicated and yet so simple at the same time. You need to, you know, all that rain. Two buckets. Who, who's... Is anybody emptying them? A bowl and a tub. Blimey, honestly. You thought your life was complicated, ladies and gentlemen. Honestly, if you live in if you live in Cornwall, nothing compared to what's going on in Twickenham, I tell you, Paul Smith's place. You imagine lying in bed and you and you're asleep and then you wake up and the mattress is all damp and you go, Oh god, it's too early for incontinence, isn't it? You know. I should be older. <laughs> it's worrying, isn't it? It is worrying. And so what you have to do is you have to turn the mattress over and it then drips onto the floor. And it's well it would still be wet, it'll be wet for ages. Ages. Oh, dear, I don't want to know about it. Far too worrying. Anyway, he'll, he'll have a nice time trying to get home to the car. Good luck with the, with the buckets at home for all that water. I don't know. I think the forecast rest of the week is fine. I think it's absolutely fine. I think it's going to be heat wave. So perhaps if you could drag your mattress out onto the roof, you know, you could sleep up on the roof. Under the stars. No, there's no room in the garden. It's, it's got a frog that lights up in the garden. He hasn't got any room for a mattress out there. His life is bizarre. Seriously, it's a small book. Or, or a notebook. You know, something like that. He's going to find me a key ring today, though. Because I've got a key for my locker here. And it keeps falling off. I didn't want that one because it was Yoda. I don't do Yoda. 
I mean, seriously, I'm, I'm not interested in a Yoda Lego key ring. Hello, I'm an adult. I don't want something like that. I really don't. Cliff is listening at the moment. And Glow. Glow's over in France, I think. I think she's over in France at the moment. I think Nick Ferrari's in, uh, in France. He likes La Belle France. I've, I don't think I've... I have been to France, but I've never been into the middle of France. You know, where sort of all the, all the Brits are and things like that. So once you actually get into the lifestyle, it could be quite nice, couldn't it? But, you know, there you go. go on, go. Go now. Go on. See you soon. See you soon. Off he goes. Love you. Love you. Love you too. Bye. God, it's exhausting, honestly. Who'd be a radio presenter? Me. <laughs> Why? Because we love it. Uh, still to come, I've got to tell you about this mum who took the revenge on the commuters. Did it work? You'll find out in a minute. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. I keep putting this story off, and now is the time that I have to tell you all about it. When her baby needed breastfeeding as she stood on a packed train, Bryony Esther naturally hoped a fellow passenger would give up their seat. She was astonished when they refused and said she had to stand in an area surrounded by bicycles and suitcases while she fed her daughter. Uh, Miss Esther, who was also travelling with her five-year-old daughter to visit her son in hospital, said she spent ten minutes struggling to maintain her balance. She was so annoyed, she took a photo of the scene and posted it on Facebook to shame those she claims would not give up their seat for. She wrote, having to stand on a train whilst breastfeeding my baby, thanks to a lovely bunch of charmers, giving more priority to their suitcases and rolling joints. It stinks. Plus the cyclist with the fancy bike that keeps rolling into me, sat in the disabled seat. Please share, because I'd love it if their mothers, girlfriends and wives got to see how they behave. I got on a train yesterday, there were two bikes, some bloke gets on with a bike, supposed to standing with it, he goes and sits down on a seat. His bike has taken up four seats on the, on the train, a rather selfish little so-and-so. Anyway, she said, I did ask the guy in the cap, and even sat my daughter down briefly before the baby woke, and he told me the seat was taken. The post had been shared by 26,000 people last night, it was 26,000 times. Uh, somebody says, wow, people nowadays have no manners at all. I mean, I thought that was patently obvious. People haven't got any manners. But uh, anyway, Nicola said, there are too many cyclists taking the spaces for prams and not giving seats to mums or expectant women. It makes my blood boil. Asked whether other commuters realised she was breastfeeding, Miss Esther said that they 1,000% knew, but added, I really didn't want to make a fuss in front of my five-year-old. Miss Esther, who comes from Leon C in Essex, was travelling on a C2C service to London on Saturday afternoon to see her son at Great Ormond Street. She said she was previously denied a seat, making the same journey when she was eight months pregnant. A C2C spokesman says we welcome breastfeeding in all C2C trains and would hope our customers would be considerate and give up their seats when requested. Think again. They won't. And they didn't. But it is these bloody cyclists everywhere. Literally, on a commuter train in the morning to Reading. And this bike took up four seats while the actual cyclist, supposed to standing with it. I thought it was supposed to have a folding bike if you're travelling on, you know, on peak rush hour and things like that. Well, I would have thought that seven in the morning was rush hour on a train, as far as I'm concerned. The train was heaving and nobody says anything. The cyclist sat down there picking his nose and playing with his thing and in all the gear. You know, we had the go faster stripes and the lycra and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you feel like saying, I wanted somebody to take the bike and throw it off the train. And go, we want to sit down. There's elderly people here. But they don't care. Nobody cares anymore. You notice. You know, on buses now, you get elderly people standing. Mind you, I've had it on occasion where I've offered my seat to somebody and they've turned me down. Which makes you feel a bit silly. It doesn't really, you know, you're kind of sort of put off a little bit. 
Uh, Ray says, I once met Zippo, the clown of Zippo Circus. I didn't know there was a Zippo who was the clown of Zippo Circus, but there you go. Is that Martin? Might have been Martin. And uh, I shed a tear yesterday, Steve, after you telling us about Little Ross Island going up for sale. We used to take day trips out to the island with our speedboat when the uh, the barns were derelict. Just my husband, Phil, and daughter. So there you go, which is lovely. Uh, it was wonderful. Very Dodie do- is the daughter. I told my daughter she's thinking of putting in an offer. A sad, if not happy, spiker, says Suge. I t- but I, I thought that was lovely, that island. Of course, it was the scene of a murder. A murder. Some years ago. But in fact, you could have that island for... And it was about £350,000. Whatever it was, it looked like marvellous value. But you, you can only get there by helicopter or by speedboat, in their case, or whatever. And you imagine if you... There is a house on it... But all your electricity comes from a, a turbine or from solar panels. And I quite fancy that idea. I, I, I like the idea, provided you can get the food across. But you're going to have to take all the food across unless the helicopter is going to winch it down to you. In which case, what sort of food do you, do you have in there? Do you, sort of, do you make your own bread? You know, because otherwise bread's going to go off. Do you have a freezer? What happens if all of a sudden the wind turbine stops and there's no electricity? And then you're sitting there pitch dark on an island. Ooh, scary, scary. Are there snakes on the island? I want to know all these kind of things. I just, I just fancy knowing that kind of stuff. I'm just, I don't know. It's an odd one, isn't it, really? Uh, bosses should let staff vape at their desks to cut smoking rates. Ooh, I don't think we want people vaping at their... No, thank you. No, we definitely don't want that. Oh, look, here's old Sarah Ferguson getting older by the day. And uh, they left a London restaurant. She's still hanging around with him. She's <laughs> Monday's outing follows criticism of the pair... Both 57, after David and Victoria Beckham arranged for their daughter Harper to have her sixth birthday party at Buckingham Palace. Fergie denied she organised the do, which was attended by Eugenie. And the Yorks, who left the fashionable eatery uh, after midnight, remained closed despite their 10-year marriage ending. It's a bit bizarre. A bit bizarre, isn't it? Sarah Ferguson. She never looked young, Sarah Ferguson. When she was young, she looked old. But, uh, as I say, nice to know she's still really, really busy with work. Really, really busy with work. Um, why the concert for Diana hit the wrong note with a writer. Uh, this is Howard Blake, and you can read that story. And um, I wonder if Tony Blair is listening, says Warren. He said he would. I know, I mean, I, I quite fancy the idea that Tony Blair would listen to the programme. Somebody asked me yesterday, they said, did you change your opinion of him? I didn't have an opinion of Tony Blair. I didn't have any preconceptions of what somebody was going to be like. It's like um, I met Margaret Thatcher once. She came into our building. And I forget why she came in. It was it was an official visit years ago, and Pete Murray was sort of chatting away to her. But uh, I didn't have any preconceptions. Cherie seemed very nice. Tony was very charming. I tend to I I can separate the politician from the person, you know, in the same way I can separate actors from the roles that they they play. Uh, the holidaymaker is a 28 year old from Wales. He's been ordered to pay 25,000 pounds to Thompson after a court found that she lied about getting sick to claim compensation. This is a, a serious warning to Britons going abroad this summer. Over the past year, tens of thousands of families have submitted sickness claims, often encouraged by firms promising big payouts. Well, now those caught lying face huge legal bills and even prison sentences. Amy Hughes from Hollyhead spent 11 days at a five-star hotel in Sharmel Sheikh with two friends. Two years after returning home, she made a compensation claim for sickness against Thompson through a North Wales law firm. She claimed she'd been ill while staying at the hotel and had not eaten anywhere else. 
The case was due to be heard in court last October, <clears throat> but Mrs Hughes dropped her claim at the 11th hour without any explanation. Thompson told Money Mail that after investigating and discovered Mrs Hughes had eaten only a small number of breakfasts at the hotel, while a friend had confirmed to the travel company that she'd eaten Chinese food in the resort. Mrs Hughes denied it, but Thompson decided it had enough evidence to pursue her through the courts for costs it had incurred building a defence. On July the 5th, a recorder at Wrexham County Court ordered that Mrs Hughes had been fundamentally dishonest and must pay the holiday giant £25,000 by 4pm on October the 6th. When Money Mail contacted Mrs Hughes, she declined to comment, but acknowledged the outcome of the case. The law firm that represented her initial claim did not comment. So uh, you've got to cough it up now. Got to cough up £25,000, you crook. You cannot do this. We've tried to explain to people before, you know, it's a case of, you know, uh, 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 the travel firms say they will chase down anyone who fibs about getting a tummy bug. I've been on holiday loads of times. I've never had a tummy bug. And uh, so what So what Thomas Cook are doing, uh, Thomas Cook, they're hiring expensive lawyers. You know, it's as simple as that. I mean, one couple have appeared in criminal court after they tried to claim 52,000. £52,000. A family, all claiming they were ill. And what they do is they're hiring very expensive lawyers to prove that these people are lying. And if, the, if you're caught to be lying, the courts are handing out huge fines. So I just, I just warn you. If I put my bike on an off-peak train, says a producer who has a bicycle, I stand in the doorway and hold on to it so it's out of people's way. This minority of selfish cyclists make people dislike the rest of us. I got on a train once and it was coming into Twickenham and the, the um, cyclist was sitting down in a seat, not even facing the bike. So when we got there... The bike is blocking the doorway. So I had to say in a loud voice, can somebody move this bike? And they get up. There's no apology. They're ignorant. Absolute ignorant people. The people who park it there take up all these seats and yet go and sit down somewhere else. Stand with your bike, you lazy little so-and-so. Or feeling that, why don't you ride it? Too bone idle, are you? They've all got the go-faster stripes and everything else. But this uh, this woman, she shamed. She shamed them. She put them up on uh, on uh, on her Instagram. Good for her. Good for her. Mind you, you know, people do this breastfeeding on trains, but nobody was willing. Nobody was willing to give up a seat for her. It's awful, isn't it? Really? I think that one of the newspapers or a television programme should get an old lady to sort of get on a bus and see how many people stand up and give up their seats and then try it on a train. It'd be a very good experiment to find out just how ignorant some people are in this country. And it's mainly school children in the morning in the buses, in my area. I don't know what it's like in other areas. I've not been to other areas in the morning. But uh, they're sitting there in seats, or there'll be a mum with, with her child sitting on a seat that's got a clear picture on there for the stupid of, of a disabled person with a stick or something like that. And he said, these seats are for people who, you know, would find it, you know, a little bit difficult to be standing. And they sit there while elderly people cling on for grim death. I think we should have a name and shame. I'm going to start taking photographs of these people and putting them up on, the, on my Facebook. I, do, I don't have Facebook. What am I talking about? I'm going to put them on Twitter. <laughs> uh, Charlie says, I can't watch RSPCA adverts. Why? I can watch RSPCA adverts. I just say, they're a bit tippy, but that's what they're designed to. You know, little little Tommy here, who's a little dachshund or whatever, doesn't have a, a family. And you think, because he's a dachshund, that's why. He's a dachshund. You know, all these sort of 
dogs are sort of doing this or doing that. And, and that's what it's, it's designed to get money out of you. That's what it is. It's an advert. The advert is designed to take money away from you. Because, so they have to show you. It's no good showing you a happy animal. You've got to see a, a, a dog that looks particularly sad or something like that. Uh, Jan says, thought you'd like to know about the Christmas ad shown over here in New Zealand in the 60s, showing a woman glowing over her gift and a man saying, give her a vacuum cleaner for Christmas and she'll love you forever. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw an advert yesterday and it was on QVC and they were selling a vacuum cleaner demonstrated by a woman. Demonstrated by a woman. Why was it not demonstrated by a man? And the answer is because men do sometimes advertise them. You know, it's the way it goes. And... Um, it's interesting. Uh, vouchers for Burger King get printed in the Metro newspaper. However, some of the railway stations don't accept them. They even have the cheek to say we don't accept vouchers by a mass cardboard display on the counter. McDonald's, however, take any. Um, I've never seen Burger King things. I'm sure they probably appear. I've only ever seen the McDonald's ones. But uh, they've always been accepted. Every time I've gone in there, they accept them at Waterloo Station. Sometimes they don't accept... Different, depending on where it's come from, I suppose. But that's that, they always say terms and conditions apply. That's the bit you've got to read. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Only Tony says, I set off for Mayfair at 5.35. It's a nine-foot-long electric bike. I feel guilty taking it on a train. Some people have no qualms whatsoever. You see them standing at Clapham Junction Station, bringing on these racing bikes, and you feel like saying, I'm sorry, there's no room. Cycle it. You're only going to Blooming Richmond, for goodness sake. I mean, even, you know, surely even cyclists can imagine, uh, manage that one. Andy says, uh, did you used to watch Magic Roundabout? Oh, of course I did. Grew up on Magic Roundabout with Florence and Zebedee. He says, I think Dylan the Rabbit was always high as a kite. He did appear to spend most of his time long in his back going, yeah, man, like that, which I thought was, uh, was quite good. But it was just, it was an entertainment why do we have to analyse everything? Why do we have to start sort of pulling apart, you know, your favourite ads on the television? I don't care whether, you know, the Bisto advert was made, you know, by the gravy was made by a woman or it was made by, you know, Captain Pugwash. I couldn't care less. It doesn't make any difference to me. It's just an advert on the television. It's designed to make something look attractive. And, des- and I liked the Oxo family. I like Linda Bellingham. I like the woman doing the, the shake and vac. I like the woman demonstrating everything. I don't care. I don't care about whether or not people think it's sexist. The only people who think it's sexist are the Advertising Standards Authority. They seem to have a very odd agenda. These adverts have been running for years. Years and years. And now, only now, in 2017, have they stood up and gone, wow, you know, I don't think we can have this. It's, you know, showing the wrong sort of, oh, go away. Goodness sake, let us get on with our lives. We don't need to have everything run by all these stupid people everywhere. It just drives me berserk. Mind you... You know, if you want to read more, Nanette Newman's writing in the mail today. She says you can have sex on Love Island, but they want to ban the sexist fairy liquid adverts. But I've seen little children on there. What are we saying now? Mustn't use little children on adverts. Oh, no, that sends out the wrong message. Um, The pay panic at the BBC, meltdown. There's no meltdown at the BBC. They'll all be looking to see if they've got it right or if it's wrong. 100 staff on more than the PM. Only a third are women. Bosses tried to have the report delayed. Top names warned they face a public backlash. Who cares? You know, unless you're on Twitter and there's some sort of dipstick somewhere in, you know, Galashields or something, he's going to write in going, I think it's outrageous. There's people starving in the world and you're earning £200,000 a year. Well, grow up and get a life. Also, Mike. Zara's not in the scrum. This is Mike Tyndall. What does he do for a living? Nothing. He's done a couple of reality shows. He's failed on both of them. And, uh, and he's on holiday with a photographer. And uh, they go down to this place here. And uh, he's a former rugby star. In fact, he's a former everything, a former appearer on 
on uh, reality shows. And uh, they all said they went to Wimbledon, of course. They've been to Wimbledon and uh, now they're on holiday. I can remember somebody asking, I think, uh, Zara about something, about her mother. And she, she became quite hoity-toity. And I thought then, I thought, I don't like you now. Gone off you, really. But um, apparently Zara was spotted chatting animatedly to a, a man in a pair of trunks. As opposed to what? A man on nothing. Uh, Andrew Marr's pay fell by £140,000 uh, after his stroke. They say he earns 400000 a year. £140,000 less than he was paid before the stroke. He also gets a financial boost from royalties from a dozen books, including bestsellers. He fronts the Sunday programme. So what else does he do if he gets £400,000 a year? How many shows does he do for that? 400000 a year. He does Sunday morning and... There you go. <laughs> Already we're stuck. They don't pay him 400000 for one show a week, do they? Dear God in heaven. He's cut down on extra shows alongside his regular programmes in order to prevent a relapse. His deal, pushing him into the BBC's four hundred to £450,000 band by a whisker, runs until 2018. I mean, seriously, you know, if your agent gets you a fee like that, fine. I don't have a problem with it. I just think it's an excessive amount of money and you could get somebody a lot cheaper. It's like when they always talk about people going into the celebrity Big Brother house and they go, oh, so-and-so's negotiated a £400,000 deal. You thought, listen, their career's on the skids. You can get them for 20 quid. In fact, to be honest with you, I don't think they should pay any celebrities on that programme. If I was doing it, I wouldn't be, uh, be paying any money at all. I'd be going, listen, do you, want, do, you, do you want your client in it? And they go, yeah. And they go, well, it's, it's, they're not getting a fee. They can get travel expenses there and back. We'll send a cab for them. OK, if you don't want to go in it, don't go in it. Thank you. Goodbye. And send them on their way. Makes it so much easier, doesn't it? Makes it so much easier. Uh, what else do we have? I love that story about the glacier. It's so bizarre. The couple who, uh, a Swiss couple, disappeared in the Alps 75 years ago, have been found preserved in a receding glacier. Ending decades of uncertainty, the bodies were found in uh, southern Switzerland, along with two backpacks, a bottle, a book and a watch. The remains will undergo a DNA test. Police said they were 99% certain they'd found Marceline and Francine uh, Damoulin, who went missing in 1942. He was a shoemaker and she was a teacher. They left their village of Chandolin in uh, Valley's Canton on foot before disappearing, orphaning five sons and two daughters. And uh, their daughter, Monique, said yesterday it was the first time her mother had joined her father for that type of excursion. She'd previously stayed at home, either because she was pregnant or to look after her young children. The bodies were found on a glacier at an altitude of 8,500 feet by an employee of the Glacier 3000 Ski Resort. He says it was a man and woman wearing clothes from the last war. I mean, isn't that just... It's just amazing that the glacier gives up his or her... I don't know if a glacier is a male or female... Gives up his secret. I, th I think Glacier's a male. And um, and then all of a sudden they come back again. So they can, they can finally get buried. But they've been preserved in ice for all these years. I think that's, I think that's just so amazing. Especially for the, for the daughter who's able to now say, now we can give them a burial. Because up until now, the last 79 years, they've not really known what to do. Because uh, they didn't have any bodies. They just vanished. They just vanished. Rip off card fees imposed by airline shops and town halls that to be outlawed. Town halls, that's a strange one, isn't it? Uh, customers are thought to fork out half a billion quid a year for the stealth charges. Airlines can add up to 3% for credit card bookings, while local councils often impose a levy of 2.5%. It's 
So the stealth charges, Flybe, 3%, minimum £5. Swinton Insurance, uh, minimum £5, 2.5%. Ryanair, 2%. Flight Centre, 2%. Thomson Holidays, 2%. But maximum charge for transactions, 95 quid. British Airways charge, 1%. North, North Norfolk District Council, 2.5%. Litchfield District Council, 2%. Uh, Tameside Metropolitan Borough, 2%. Wealdon District Council, 2%. And East Hearts District Council, 2%. Oh, and the DVLA, £2.50. And that's it. They always say that, don't they? You have to sort of, you know, if you want to use a credit card, there's a minimum charge or there's this or that on top of it. That's why I pay cash. And they're constantly telling us, aren't they? They keep telling me, don't worry, we're going for a cashless society. No, thank you. No, thank you. Although I do find it difficult in America to actually get cash out. Which is very worrying. Uh, the 91-year-old Dunkirk star that could be yours for 425000 She's been a houseboat, a training vessel and a workhorse. She's 91 and this is Zion Light. Has become a film star with a role in the Hollywood blockbuster Dunkirk. This vessel, a luxurious four-bedroom floating home, currently for sale at 425000 was chartered by the producers of Christopher Nolan's film about the Second World War. Looks lovely, actually. The sitting room's a really nice size. Not sure I actually want to live on a boat, but uh, it did its bit. It did its bit. It was uh, working as a cargo vessel in the 1950s. Isn't that lovely? I love stuff like that. Uh, the flash floods cutting off the Cornish holiday village. That is not so great. And you're still the weakest link, but it's hello again. This is dubbed the Queen of Mean. I don't know why, actually. She just didn't suffer fools gladly. She was never particularly... I, mean, I preferred her on the... Uh, that thing where people used to write into the BBC and said, I'd rather sell my house than give up the licence fee so I can watch tennis all the time. But they say it left uh, quiz contestants quaking in their boots. No, it didn't. It was just another quiz on the television. Do you know the answers to this? Do you not know the answers to this? You know, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. And that, pff, who cares? But anyway, the hit show is coming back for a one-off celebrity special for children in need. Well, apparently the 72-year-old host is in talks with the corporation, to bring the programme back for good next year. God blimey. It was only pulling in five million viewers a day. The revamp format will feature just well-known faces. Yeah, but the trouble is most of them aren't well-known faces. It's the BBC promoting their own, isn't it? So you'll probably have Aura Duba. You'll have a few sort of old remnants and old relics who've trotted in from the Strictly Come Dancing programme. And uh, it did run for 11 years... Made her a household name. It's going to be Saturday night when it's going to run, they think. They haven't actually confirmed that yet, but it uh, should be interesting. should be interesting. I'm not really that bothered, actually. Uh, shame of the hospital parking fine, says Sarah Vine. We all recognise that sinking feeling, she writes, when you return to the car to find the little yellow envelope under the windscreen. Well, actually, it doesn't need to go under the windscreen wipers because they're sticky now, and they put them on there. The problem is there simply are not enough spaces in the staff car park in this hospital in Wales, with the, res with, with, with the result that obviously people get tickets because they don't bother buying a ticket. That Indigo's got an annual turnover of 24 million, wants its pound of flesh. Well, of course they do. They want people to, to pay for parking in the car park. That's what they're employed for, Sarah Vine. Come on. The judges ruled that three workers who Indigo says have each racked up more than 100 parking tickets have got to pay 128 quid. Heartening, isn't it, she says, to live in a country where dedicated NHS staff on minuscule salaries are pushed to the brink of bankruptcy by judicial idiocy to satisfy the needs of foreign corporations. A bit racist, isn't it, Sarah? A little bit racist. What? Yes. Oh, dear. Heavens I'd love to know what you earn, Sarah Vine. 
You know, why don't you offer to pay for them? I'm sure you must have enough out of your column every week. What's the point of writing this kind of stuff? She says it will mean financial ruin. They weren't buying tickets. And also, if they're so hard up, how are they running cars? Come on, get a grip on real life. Not the little world that you're living in, that little balloon bubble. Come on. Goodness sake. And so, you know, they have to pay. In other words, it's like if you go into a shop and you just load your trolley up and then just walk out and you go, well, actually, I'm quite hard up. I can't afford to pay for it. Do we then go, oh, it's all right. No, of course you don't. You have to pay for it. The thing is, everybody else manages to pay in that car park. It's only these, these people here, 72 of them. And, uh, you know, out of 6,000 people, 72 people haven't paid for tickets to park. It's only a pound and 5p a day. Not like a lot of money, is it? It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why you're going like that. But, of course, you know, it's because of who you are, I should imagine. Perhaps you don't mix with ordinary people. And also, what difference does it make, whether it's a nurse or something like that? How about people working in hospices? Should they also be exempt? Should funeral directors also be exempt? You're just doing it for nurses, aren't you? You're just doing it for nurses because you think they're all hard up. They're not. They're running cars. I don't know how much it costs. Let's face it. Michael Gove... Sarah Vine's husband was getting 150000 a year before he rejoined the Cabinet, working for the Times. He'll be getting about the same for being an MP and a minister. Oh, so you're all right financially, Sarah, aren't you? Well, why don't you give half your salary to the nurses? Go on, pay their fines off. They have a page you can actually give. They're, they're, they're trying to raise the money for it. Go on, do it. Bet you don't. Bet you don't. The bank's new pride and joy, a plastic tenant. I can't wait to see this one. I can't wait. I wonder how long it's going to be. The fivers came in quite quickly. Uh, this one's not coming out till, I think, September. And it's got uh, Jane Austen on. Didn't she die fairly young, Jane Austen? She's about 41, I think, or something like that. And uh, 200 years ago yesterday, I remember her vividly. She could have been a contestant on The Weakest Link if she'd been around. So it's a plastic tenor. Brilliant. Have you noticed that uh, we haven't had any fake fivers around it's because now we've got, you know, the proper, the proper fivers. Uh, nobody's managed to duplicate them yet. I say yet because I'm sure that somebody might try, but at the moment they can't manage it. And uh, we've got the tenor as well. There's a hologram of a book on one side and a crown on the other. Uh, raised dots to help the blind and partially sighted. It's a good idea. And it's got a picture of uh, a depiction of Austin at her writing table at her cottage in Hampshire. And a quote from Pride and Prejudice, which says, I declare, after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. That's spoken by Mr Bingley's sister, Caroline, to Mr Darcy. And also Winchester Cathedral, which is where she's buried. There you go. You learn something new every day. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Martin says, with sexism in advertising, does that mean that people like Danny Dyer could soon be advertising tampons? I don't know, actually, but, I mean, Faye, Faye Weldon has said, and loads of other people, the ASC should just leave everybody alone. Mind your own business. Stick your beak somewhere else, because you don't know what you're talking about. You've got no idea. And also, as I say, it's taken them till 2017. All of these adverts that they don't like don't run. Linda Bellingham's not with us anymore. Nanette Newman doesn't advertise Fairy Liquid. Uh, we don't have Henry Cooper championing Brute. I haven't seen the, uh, the Milk Tray Man for ages. He's, he's changed anyway. And so if he wants to dive into a river and deliver a box of chocolates, must be soaking wet by the time it gets there. We haven't seen Jenny Logan in the Shaken Vac ad for ages and ages. Why don't you just, why don't you just go away? You know, you're very irritating at the ASA. Very, very irritating. Were they really dangerous? No, of course they weren't. They're just sticking their beak in to try and sort of justify their existence, I think. <sighs> I, don't, I don't watch the television for that. You know, do you hear an advert on the radio and go, oh, I think it's very sexist. You know, I think we should have had a different voiceover. 
I just don't understand it. I really don't understand it. Uh, the National Trust boss in Easter Storm resigns. This is Dame Helen Gosh standing down to become master of a college in Oxford months after she was accused of airbrushing faith in a row over Easter. Do you remember this was the Easter egg trail? Do you remember that one? This, this debacle that took off and everybody thought it was hilarious. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the National Trust houses asking children to join the Cadbury Easter egg hunt. In previous years, the conservational charity called it the Easter egg trail. But it was sponsored. I don't really... Honestly, aren't we a bunch of mamby-pambies in this country? Oh, you can't say that. That offends me. Can't say that. That offends me. Can't do that. It offends my children. Oh, blimey. I mean, you know, I do understand the woman who complained about not getting a seat on the train, but that's just the way that the society's gone. As, as one lady wrote to me only a minute ago, she said, to be brutally honest, I'm female, and I would give up my seat for an elderly person on the train. But if I'm coming home from work and I've been on my feet all day, am I going to give up my seat? Not a chance in hell. My annual train ticket cost me a fortune. Absolutely. And also, I mean, you know when somebody's... Here we go, let's start this one, shall we, this morning, which is probably not a good idea. But, you know, she's breastfeeding on the train. Do kids go, now, now? I don't know. I mean, could she not wait till she got off the train? Does that make a difference? Do you need to sit down to breastfeed? Because she was standing up breastfeeding, so it's obviously possible to do it. But at the same time, trains lurch, not as much as buses. Buses lurch, something chronic, they really do. Uh, also, there's a nice picture here of um, Elizabeth Hurley. I'd forgotten she was in Austin Powers. It's one of these pictures where they sort of they sort of get very excited, don't they? And they go, um, uh, she's 52. Like that was, you know, like she was 70 or something like that. I don't quite understand it. Uh, the Express this morning, uh, front page, thousands turning out to toast the royals in Poland, uh, which is great. The flash floods wrecking the homes. Slight weight gain over the years is bad for you. Oh, tell me about it. Tell me about it. And veteran broadcaster John Humphreys was called out by listeners yesterday, for being aggressive and rude to tennis star Johanna Conta. How could he be rude to her? She didn't really do anything. She was doing the rounds the other day. Humphrey sparked anger by questioning the Australian-born player over her heritage and how she came to represent Great Britain during a car crash interview on Radio 4's programme. The presenter's renowned for skewering political figures on the flagship show, but he was branded disrespectful in his... You can't win, can you? Seriously. I'm sorry, but I mean, I would ask that question. How is it you're Australian and you're playing for England? I don't understand that. I would just expect somebody to come up with an answer. Oh, I think that was absolutely unbelievable that he even asked that question in the first place. Somebody called him a grumpy old man to be put out to grass soon. I think the person who wrote that is grumpy old man to be put out to grass today. Uh, plus, old people's homes with walls for ageing jailbirds. Elderly and infirm prisoners could be held in old people's homes. How many old people are there in prison? There were a lot of, oh, there was a, when they did this programme yesterday on the television, uh, there was a shoplifter. And uh, he was at... Now, this was in Oxford, I think. It was certainly a place that's got universities. And he was studying. Anyway, they watch him on the CCTV cameras. You can spot shoplifters. They'll either... If they're shoplifting in Twickenham, they walk in, pick up the item, walk straight out. They don't bother with the queue. I've, we've seen parents and children shoplifting. It's quite normal. And it uh, drives me mad, really, you know, really drives me mad. But anyway, this particular guy goes in there and he picks up clothes and he goes into the dressing room. Anyway, at one point he, he picks up some tops. He goes into the, into the dressing room and, uh, and then he comes out without the items. So they quickly send somebody in and the items aren't in there, but the tags are in there. So they know he's wearing the items. I told you years ago, about two years ago, I saw a woman 
uh, and her children shoplifting Marks and Spencers in Richmond. What they were doing is taking loads of clothes into the changing rooms and making the kids change into them and then putting their clothes over the top. So they were thieving that way. So I pointed it out to a member of staff and, uh, and they got nicked. So that was, that was good night. Anyway, so this particular guy gets caught. He goes outside the store. They get him. And he then tells, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know what I was doing and all the rest of it. It turns out he's at university. And he says, oh, I've never done it before. And they went, what do you have? You did it the other week. You stole 75 quid's worth of this. He's obviously just a tea leaf. And what do they do? He gets let off with a, with a caution. I'd have had... Because he's, he started doing the crying bit. Do you remember? The crying bit. Ooh, I've got my exams coming up. And you think, I don't care. That's your fault. You've foregone that. I'm sorry. You've missed out on that one completely. No, no, no. You go to court and, uh, and we fine you or we send you to prison. It's as simple as that. But they allowed him to take his exams. A tea leaf. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Biggest band of brothers here. This is the uh, the family. Uh, they are the... Um, I wonder if these people... This is different because I was watching a programme on the television the other night and it had um, the family, I think, from Ireland. And uh, they were a big family, but this is Britain's biggest family of brothers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And... Um, 12 here. They've got uh, Keith, Gordy, Leslie, Lionel, Dougie, Raymond, Billy, Finlay, Geoffrey, Alan, Ronald and Leonard. And here they all are. And they, they range from about their 60s. But this family in Ireland, I think the Connollys, I might have got that wrong, are in the Guinness Book of Records. They're the oldest living family. They're all in their 80s now. And the reason they're in their 80s is because they work. They all work very hard. Some of them are a little bit older now, but it doesn't matter. They all still got together for this thing. And they don't drink. They don't drink alcohol. They never got into the habit of drinking alcohol. So that's obviously the uh, the way for a, a longer life. Jane Austen, the new face of the plastic uh, £10. And uh, the senator who breastfed her baby in Parliament quits over a citizenship row. Uh, this is in Australia. Larissa Waters made history this year by nursing Aaliyah Joy on the floor of the Australian Senate. But yesterday the senator quit because of the oversight saying she was devastated. She's been forced to resign after it emerged dual citizenship left her ineligible for office. It's all going on in Australia, isn't it? Other than that, they're all over here. And, uh, and, and a bloke nabbed for drink driving. Here he is, and uh, he's a violent offender. He's been on the run for 17 years, and he got nicked for uh, driving. So back to prison for you, lovey. And uh, he was clipping the curb in his luxury car, found to be a prisoner on the run, for 17 years. Good Lord. Anyway, luckily with twice. He gave false information initially, but uh, they found out who he was and uh, back he goes to prison. Doesn't take long, does it? So he'll, be, he'll be catching up, actually. Uh, also, don't mind the Carpers Harper, says Anne Whittacombe in her column today. Believe it or not, um, she thinks that it's OK for the royals to invite personal friends for tea. Really? Oh, Anne, I'm very surprised at you saying that. Very surprised. But there again, Anne Whittacombe is always there to surprise and shock, I think. More surprise most of the time. Uh, Ed Sheeran quits Twitter again. Uh, the doctors hope for Charlie's mum. We're still waiting. This is an odd one. It's now turning very odd. The moped thugs prowling with 18-inch machetes. The paramedic who was flagged down the other day and had acid thrown in her face. Uh, the mum who shamed the commuters who made her stand and breastfeed. And uh, the holidaymakers, £25,000 bill over false food poisoning claim. Could be you next. Be careful. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
Morning, a pretty nice to be company. Welcome to Wednesday. Uh, you survived last night, did you? I, I, seriously, I was I was sitting at home and yesterday before I went to bed, I thought I've given out inaccurate weather forecasts before, and I've said, oh, it's going to be terrible, it's going to be this and that, and then nothing happens. So I did look out of the door and it looked dry, and uh, I thought, oh, it's not going to happen, is it? And then I was hearing reports, and they said it's going to be bad uh, down in Cornwall, where they've had hailstones the size of fifty pence pieces. And I thought, oh, maybe it will creep up here. And then Cornwall has sort of got a right battering. In fact, uh, with a bit of luck, uh, just after 6.30, we'll cross down to our reporter in Cornwall and find out just how they're coping. Uh, that's uh, Andy Valentine. So we'll have a chat to, uh, to him down there. Because uh, the last time we had it was 2004, we discovered, in Boscastle, where it really was bad. I don't think it was as bad this time, but still bad. Still bad. There'll still be a mopping up operation and there'll still be insurance claims going in. So we'll find out. And uh, we'll talk about that on the programme. Uh, plus, I don't know what the answer is to these moped thugs who go out and steal people's mopeds. And uh, then they take the number plates off. They don't wear crash helmets, so the police can't chase them. As far as I'm concerned, fair game. You steal something, you pay the price for it. I'm not prepared to sort of sit back and watch people with machetes riding around on the back of little mopeds attacking people and stealing watches. You had that horrendous story the other day. Horrendous story. I didn't think it'd get as bad as that. That to steal somebody's watch, a Rolex, this builder came out. And, you know, you don't really tangle with too many builders nowadays. And um, because he refused to hand over his Rolex, they stabbed him in the neck with this, with this carving knife. And you think, they're prepared to kill somebody. He died, incidentally. They're prepared to kill somebody now. We've got to make some more deterrence for these people. This is pond life. This is people who shouldn't be allowed out on the streets anywhere. You know, probably high as a kite on drugs. They're now squirting acid into people's faces. This seems to be the latest thing. And the police, you know, they've, they've got to... We've got to get these people into court, get them into prison, lock them away for a long time. Not this sort of, like, you go to prison for three months or something. No, no, no. Ten years, minimum. You know, as far as I'm concerned, attempted murder. You start doing it. It's about time the courts started coming down a little bit tougher in these things. Uh, there's also... Oh, dear, golf's come in for it. I didn't think it could... Just when you thought, you know, we could leave the bastion of uh, and all the, the safety of golf. Because I know there's people listening who like golf. I am sadly not one of them. I don't quite understand it. I really don't understand it. Crazy golf, I can do. Proper golf, it's way beyond me. And now there is a plan to fine female golfers if they wear revealing outfits or tight leggings. £760 they're looking at. The Ladies Professional Golf Association were yesterday accused of trying to slut-shame players after they banned plunging necklines and hemlines that reveal players' bottoms at any time, including when they bend over. I mean, well, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't quite get it at all. Others took to social media mocking the rules on courses and at pro-am parties on the tour. Former European men's tour player Matt Blackie tweeted, I'm not sure a stricter dress code will help golf's appeal. But the association have warned any transgression from the new code would result in a $1,000 fine for the first defence, doubling for further breaches. Spokeswoman Heather Daly Donofrio insisted the rules reflect a positive image for the game. I think they should all be done up in armour or something like that. I mean, so they don't sort of show anything. I don't really think we should actually be seeing bosoms heaving around on the courses and stuff like that. I mean, you know, can't, can't we sort of cover up and do it? I never even thought about it, actually. I mean, it's like sort of swimmers. I mean, do you really think male swimmers should be wearing speedos? Hello? 
We've all seen Tom Daly in a pair of Speedos, which he appears to fill out quite well. But, I mean, should we really be having that? Isn't that a little bit sexist and offensive for people who don't fill out their Speedos? You know, I can be mortally disappointed, I think. Uh, uh, Ree says, uh, no sleep last night, but I do love a good thunder and lightning show. I know. And uh, somebody says they've got Burger King vouchers on the front page of today's Metro newspaper. The only thing disappointing for me with... um, with uh, with sort of Burger King, is that the burger that arrives with you is never the one that looks the same as on the picture. On the picture, they look lovely, but I realise that's called advertising. But uh, slightly misleading, as everything looks a bit squashed and uninteresting. So I've never... Been, at least the, you know, the um, the other burger chain... I don't know how many burger chains we've got in this country. There's Byron Burgers. You can do all sorts of things, can't you? Gourmet Burger Kitchen, five... Is it five? Five guys... And to be honest with you, a burger's a burger, but they'll probably jump down my neck and go, no, every burger is different. Every single burger is is sort of, you know, it's crafted. And think it just tastes like a burger to me. My mother used to make her own burgers. She was she was very good at making burgers. She had a little machine. And so she she did the mincemeat. She added all the little bits and pieces, and then she took it, formed it into a ball, and then pushed this thing down, and it formed a burger. And then she put waxed paper either side and um, and put them in the freezer. And that was it, you know, she, the very idea that you actually went out and bought these things, she would have found horrendous. So nowadays, so many different burgers, you know, how would you like it? How do you like this burger? I can only say, though, that the best milkshakes I ever found, I'm sure there's other available, were in Byron, where it actually seems to have bits in it. I mean, the, uh, the McDonald's milkshake, it was the first one I ever had, where you couldn't suck the thing up the straw. And that was nice, but that was just sort of flavourings and colourings and everything else. But the, the Byron Burger uh, um, milk, milkshakes, I thought, were quite quite delicious, actually. Uh, the primary school seller, top primary school, front page of the Sun this morning. I'll do the, all the front pages just after half past. Is placing misbehaving special needs children in a six foot by five foot isolation room. They say kids as young as five kick and headbutt the walls after being put there to calm down. Good Lord. All we had when we were younger at school, and I don't think it was of that age, um, it was a case of if you were naughty, um, you either got to, you had to go and stand outside the room, so you missed part of the lesson. Quite understand how that worked. So of course we used to abscond. You know, in the early days, you'd have to stand outside the room. Out, out, Stephen, out. Only got it twice. Outside the room, so you'd go and stand outside the room. And then you'd wait there, peering through the door window for them to go, all right, you can come back inside now. It was supposed to be a punishment. We thought it was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Game of Thrones, Kit Harrington, been a guest on In Conversation, as you know. He appears to be going for a beautiful house uh, down in uh, East Anglia. It's very 15th century. It's got a swimming pool, tennis court, and the price, 1.75 million, which means that he's earning well, which is good. But on the other hand... Um, it shows how much more you get for your money the further out of town you move. You know, you can buy an island in Scotland, this lovely island, for about £380,000. And uh, in London, £380,000 doesn't buy you very much. I know you can probably get flats or conversions and things like that, but I told you the other day that uh, I looked in Mayfair, just out of curiosity. I can't afford to live in Mayfair, quite clearly. And I looked at a lovely house, and it was £19 million. And I thought, that's quite nice. It's got a lift. Uh, it did have a garage. Whether I could get my car in it remains to be seen. And I thought, that'd be quite nice. And, and then I looked out at Weybridge. And you can buy a mansion out there. £19 million gets you six bedrooms, six bathrooms, marble floors, indoor swimming pool, outdoor swimming pool, manicured law. I mean, just, you get so much more. I know it's ridiculous because I'm never in a million years will I ever be able to afford it unless, magically, I win the lottery. 
which uh, is probably a little bit unlikely. But I mean, you know, we, we sort of we sort of go go for that. You know, uh, I've got one here. Uh, boozed up teen yobs, bringing terror to Troon Beach. Six thousand flocked to Ayrshire. Boozed up teen yobs. That came from Paul Paul Smith, our newsreader. So it's, I mean, six that. What's the police do in cases like that? They can't control it. And it's it's like uh, where is the yob place at the moment? I think you'll find it's uh, in Magaluf, where British yobs top the list of drunken yobs. And you see them on the on the television programmes where people just go on holiday to get drunk. Some people die on holiday. Some people decide they can leap from balcony to balcony because drink gives you a false sense of the occasion, doesn't it? And you believe you can do all sorts of things. You see people doing all sorts of daft things. You see people lying on holiday as well, especially on the television. Love Island's Jamie Jewett, who apparently is a model. I don't know why we should ever take any notice of models. Um, believes uh, the he actually told the producers he was single so he could get a place on the show. The moment he got the place on the show, he dumped the girl he was been going out with for a while. And um, he's a Calvin Klein model. For that read, he just goes to the gymnasium and he wears pants. You know, it's about as exciting as that. He ditched his girlfriend and then he flew off to Spain. He tried to tell her it's only a game show. No, it's just a desperately sad attempt by somebody who just modelled. We don't expect them to talk. And when you hear some of them talking, you really wonder whether or not they ever had an education. But uh, he ditched her two hours before flying out. And then people say all sorts of things. Uh, he actually bedded Camilla on the show. This is the one who claims she had an affair with Prince Harry. As I say, he'll be distancing himself from this poor old creature because her sad role in life is to have sex on television. And people are supposed to look up to you, dear. I don't think they look up to either of them. Jamie's the one with the brother incident. He's just gone into prison for a long while for drug dealing. So it's, uh, it's all not looking very good, is it, at the moment? And for this, people complain and Ofcom don't do anything about it. Then they, they say that's what people expect when they watch this programme. Well, then why do they pixelate people's bits whenever they show you Ibiza weekends or, you know, what we did in Magaluf or, you know, Bank of Mum and Dad watching their kids cavorting around as they pixelated? If you're watching people getting drunk and throwing up and, you know, cutting themselves, why are we not seeing everything? If that's what the programme's about, perhaps Ofcom have got sort of two different rules. Thrills and Kate. Kate Middleton given a, a glug of liquor containing gold flakes yesterday. I don't know what's exciting about that. I've been to a curry house before where they put gold over the top of the curries. It's edible gold. It's, well, it's, well, it's all edible because it's, you know, you buy a little book of gold leaf and you just put it on things and you can eat it. It's, it's as, I think you can take an ounce of gold and hammer it out so it covers a football pitch. It can be that thin, that thin. But uh, they both got, um, they, they were in Gdansk. Every time I think of Gdansk, I think of the shipyard there for, for ages. And who was the man... Lekwoensa, Lekwoensa from Gdansk. But they got mobbed in Poland. They went to, uh, uh, they went to see piles of, uh, of shoes here um, at, a, at a concentration camp. But the amazing amount of people who turned out to see them, isn't it funny? I mean, they're not the most exciting couple in the world, but uh, the crowds turned out. And it's a good crowd doing a little bit better than Mark Wright doing one of his little discos over in wherever it was, Marbella or something like that. Jane Moore talks about uh, Louise Redknapp. It is alleged is suffering from a classic midlife crisis. Now we've discovered that Daisy Lowe likes ladies, which is something I asked about on the programme the other day. I was just curious why all of a sudden, you know, uh, Louise Redknapp 
you know, a woman with two children at home and an ex-husband now would start hanging around with Daisy Lowe, somebody who's sort of is desperate for attention. And I couldn't I couldn't quite work it out. So I asked the question, has she had boyfriends in the past? Yes, but she's admitted she likes the ladies as well. That'll give the Redknapp family something to think about for today, I should imagine. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 21 minutes past uh, six. Apparently we're back for the heat wave today. So just when you thought that uh, that things were uh, were going to get worse again, it now gets better. So we go back into the heat wave. Dreadful, isn't it? I can't bear it. Awful. 4th of September, says Sarah in Solihull, is the date for the new £10 note. The old ones will cease in spring 2018. I think it's brilliant, actually. I think it's brilliant. I like change. Can we change the £20 note, please? And the £50 note. Can we make it a bit smaller? It's too big to fit in my wallet. I don't get them very often, but I do get them. I'm quite, I try and hang on to them for as, uh, as long as possible. Uh, Steve, Marks and Spencer's milkshakes. They're nice, especially when they're ice cold. Everything's nice. Prosecco's nice when it's ice cold. Uh, I'm going to be talking later on uh, this morning for In Conversation to Victoria Pendleton. At the moment, she's on Sky. Poor soul, honestly. She's going to be very busy heading back for me. And uh, she wants jousting to be an Olympic sport. In fact, I think she has done jousting. They do it in a lot of uh, English... Uh, National Trust places and heritage places and all the rest of it. Because you see it in all the old films, you know, Robin Hood. And then they do jousting. And it always looks blooming dangerous. I think now it's been eased off a little bit. But I I, I quite like like the idea of jousting. I couldn't do it. Mainly because I get a bit frightened by things like that. Alan says, now I'm stationary, arrived at work. The vouchers from McDonald's are not valid on premises with drive-thrus. Oh, right. (laughs) There's always a stipulation, isn't there, on every voucher... I sometimes just cut them out on the on the train and just uh, and and sort of hang on to them and then you you go to use them. I'm the same with uh, with Marks and Spencers. They give me a voucher. The other day it was very odd. I bought some pants, and and they and and they you sort of you give them the money and it prints off the till and it gave me a voucher five pounds off in the food hall. If I spend well normally when I get these vouchers thirty five pounds in this one from Marks and Spencers in Richmond. If you spend twenty five pounds, you get a five fiver off. Shows how much profit there is in these things, doesn't it? And so I always hang on to them, and then you check me. Go, oh, they're all out of date, all out of date. Because you've got to go something to spend twenty-five or thirty-five pounds. But I did, I did find it the other day. I was uh, a bit, uh, a bit pleased with it. I was get a bit excited. Sometimes you don't get them, and most times you do. Uh, the breastfeeding mum is in the sun today. Only this time you can see the cyclist. Uh, he has not been pixelated, which he has been in a couple of other papers. So here he is, you rude man. So she's having to breastfeed, standing up, while he's sitting down with his, with his bicycle sitting in front of him. You know, like yesterday, I told you, on the Reading train out of, uh, out of Waterloo, you know, a bicyclist, and he's taken up four seats, so people have to stand. Ignorant person. Ignorant person. Uh, Ed Sheeran must have really impressed when he performed at Ronan Keating's wedding, because uh, Ronan Keating has asked Ed Sheeran to write him a song. I think it's finished. I don't think Ronan Keating's career is really going to take off again, uh, even with something... It's, it's almost like Ab's Bream from Five, poor soul, honestly. That's the one who's completely round the bend. And he's going out with Chloe Sims from Towie. And we all go, well, there's a match made in hell, isn't it, really? They're both as mad as each other which is a bit embarrassing. Uh, the other story that I was, I was going to do, actually, is the, um, is the gap in the rich and the poor uh, closing. Uh, this is after Jeremy Corbyn uh, made claims to the contrary. Uh, the Institute for Fiscal Studies says the poorest 10% have got richer since Labour lost power in 2010, whilst the wealthiest 10 are less well off. 
The think tank believes the fall in inequality seen in London and across the UK is due to the strong growth in employment. So Jeremy's got it wrong, but of course Jeremy Corbyn doesn't have to do anything like us because he's rich. He's rich every time he comes out there. He's very pleasant, but, you know, he gets into a private car and the car speeds him away somewhere. Uh, the uh, the ice corpses emerging in all the papers today, although you'd be hard pushed to make out the images that you see in the glacier of these two people who uh, died with thinking about 1942. I can tell you that an amateur poker-playing granddad... This will appeal to... Um, Somebody listening to the programme this morning. This is a poker-playing granddad from Bridlington is in line to scoop a jackpot in Las Vegas. £6 million. This is John Hesby, 64. Uh, He only entered the World Series of Poker main event in Las Vegas to ticket off his retirement bucket list. He's seen off more than 7,000 competitors. He's already guaranteed a prize of around 766,000 quid and will walk away with £6 million. If he emerges as the winner on Saturday morning, he's a caravan firm boss. He's just played uh, pals in East Yorkshire for 20 years. He's become a fan's favourite. He wears a Panama hat. They all wear peculiar th- things, don't they? Whenever you see them on the television and they're playing, you know, sort of poker, they've all got either dark glasses on or headphones or something. They're all mad as broomsticks, but uh, they're over there. And please say beggars in one town are making, this is in Newquay in Cornwall, 200 quid a day. 200 quid a day for beggars. Small wonder they sit on the pavements looking depressed, feeding drug habits. Uh, Most of it, say the police, is spent on drug habits. And uh, this equates to £74,000 a year, which is an MP's salary. That's for sitting on the pavement. Money. No, I haven't got any money, mate. I work for my living. I don't sit on the pavement. Perhaps I should go and sit on the pavement. You can make 200 quid a day. 74 grand a year. And you think they're paying tax? Of course they're not paying tax. You got any money? Got any money for a cup of tea? It used to be a cup of tea. Now it's a train fare. It's all different, isn't it? Uh, kids are bullied more on photo messaging site Instagram than any other social media. Two thirds of youngsters admitted to an anti-bullying charity that they'd sent abusive messages online. I've never sent an abusive message. Not in my entire life. And the reason I haven't is because you think somebody could always trace it back to you, couldn't they? And why would I want to do that? I would want to write. Who would I be writing an abusive message to? That'd be ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Brendan Cole is a flop, they say in the paper. This is the bizarre column. It's just it's press release time. They just print press releases. It's a dreadful waste of newspaper. You, you could use it actually for sort of mopping up things, but there's nothing going on at all. But uh, I just like reading paper. I always think actually there's more in the metro, and that's free than there is in all the other papers, where where the sun is, is 50 pence at the moment, which means the mirror must be not far... No, they're 70 pence. 70 pence. Uh, and they always have... I don't like it when they do false covers on newspapers. That's very bad. Uh, Lineker and the BBC stars pay secrets. That's what everybody's obsessed with at the moment. Although, as we pointed out at the beginning of the programme, why would you be interested in what people earn? I mean, what difference is it going to make if you discover that Gary Lineker picks up £2 million a year? I couldn't care. If that's what the BBC pay him, that's their business. You know, it's like seeing a list of all the people in this building. And there's, there's you know, m- far more famous people in this building... Oh, I shouldn't imagine I'd be earning £2 million a year, but, you know, I'd be curious to see what people are earning. But at the same time, I'm not interested. I'm just curious. You know, you sort of go, oh, right, that's what I could aspire to. But I don't care. I really don't care. It's like, you know, all the bosses in this building. There's so many bosses of all different radio stations. Do you think they're all on the same sort of money? I don't know. Don't care either. It doesn't bother me. You know, we have some very, very big bosses, and I should imagine they're earning loads. But it doesn't bother me. 
It just seems to worry the newspapers. They think that we should be told because they think that, you know, because it's our BBC, as we're always being told, but of course it isn't, um, that we should be told and they should be open about it. But it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. 96 stars, they say, are on over 150,000. Two thirds of them are men. They reckon that uh, Hugh Edwards is a highly paid news anchor. He just reads auto-cue. Whereas Graham Norton, they say for his chat show, 2.5 million. But there again, he's flying by the seat of his pants. Fiona Bruce does quite well, you know, but she's got typical BBC stamped all over her. Claire Balding is a wage winner, but why not? She's an expert. It's only the newsreaders that I think are really way too, way too overpaid. You know, Claudia Winkleman, they say, gets 500,000 a year, but she's probably quite happy with that. Chris Evans you know, is their jewel in the crown, and he pulls in an audience. So he earns... I don't know what he earns. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even hazard a guess. Because it's not my business. It's what they can ever get. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Coming up on Nick Ferrari at breakfast with Matt Fry at 7 o'clock this morning. As senior ministers give Theresa May the green light to sack any disloyal cabinet colleagues... Matt will be asking if this is something Theresa May should be implementing. Plus, who, if anyone, should go... Also on the show, following a spate of knife and acid attacks, LBC senior reporter Vincent McAvenny has been out with the police in the capital as they revisit an old and controversial method to tackle this growing crisis. What on earth can that be? An old and controversial method. Ramming them off the bikes, I would have thought. All with Nick Ferrari this morning with Matt Fry from Seven here on LBC. Do you know how much people spend on scratch cards in a year? Apparently, the average person sends 416 pounds per year. £416 a year on scratch card. Producer looking bewildered. I mean, I don't buy... I spend zero on scratch cards as well. I I can't even think of any reason why I would be buying a scratch card. But some people do, don't they? Because they like to think. I was always... uh, I was told some years ago, uh, when you go in and you buy a scratch card, and you see them in all the news agents and things like that, and they go, oh, I'll have two lucky chest and one dipsticks in the jungle kind of thing. But what they don't tell you, and you have to go online to find out, is how many of the prizes are still available. They don't tell you that. It's on their website. You can go on there and they'll tell you, Pixies in the jungle, uh, the two main prizes have gone, so it's only the lower prizes. But, of course, they've still got all these other tickets to get rid of. They don't tell you. So you have to check. You think that you still stand a chance of winning, you know... £200,000 or something else with pixies in the jungle, whereas it turns out the main prizes might have gone already. But they don't tell you because they want you to carry on buying tickets without a cat in hell's chance of winning. People are complaining bitterly. The, the, the lottery is getting worse and worse. We know that because we're now getting, you know, 37 million, 87 million, 131 million pound rollovers because it's nigh on impossible to win. It really is ridiculous. Years ago, uh, my dad went to m to buy some pants. Dad asked the assistant for 36 waist pants. She said, uh, are they for you? Dad said yes. She asked his chest size, uh, 40, 44 inches. And the lady said, you need 44s then. Well, they either do. They don't do, they, they don't do them like that for men's pants. They do, well, in Marks and Spencer's anyway. They do small, medium, large, extra large. And they don't go any further than that. And then uh, Dad said he wore his pants around his waist, not his chest. That used to be the old... Edward Heath thing. Edward Heath's trousers were hitched up so hard and so far up his body, they were just underneath his armpits. I used to look at them thinking, my God, you must be in quite a shock when you take those things off at night. Uh, Steve, I'm going on a boat trip on the River Lee from Hoddesdon today, so I hope the rain stays off. I don't think there's any rain forecast for today. I think you're actually quite lucky that you're going to be in for 
A bit of a heat wave. Jerry in Bangor, County Down, says, Yes, indeed. Some jousting in Robin Hood, but much more in Ivanhoe. I never took to Ivanhoe. Was Ivanhoe Roger Moore? Roger Moore was Ivanhoe, I'm pretty certain. I can't remember who used to play Robin Hood. I remember the song because we just got to know it. I don't remember the theme tune from Ivanhoe. Robin Hood was Robin Hood, Robin Hood riding through the glen. Robin Hood, Robin Hood with his band of men. Feared by the bad, loved by the good. Robin Hood. But Ivanhoe, and I'm, I can see a picture of him. Was, am, I, am I right? Roger Moore. Joe, it's uncanny, isn't it? Honestly. Seriously, even with the mind going and wandering off dancing, I can still remember things like that. Um, 58 to 59, he did it. I think prior to that, he was doing knitting patterns. I've got pictures of, of Roger Moore uh, advertising knitting patterns. He was a charming interview. Charming interview. Uh, Dave says, I put £350 worth of fuel in my truck the other day and got a pound off food voucher. I stood there and went, wow. three hundred. What sort of truck takes £350 worth? Of fuel. That's a heck of a truck. Uh, Steve, if Louise Redknapp wasn't married to a Redknapp, she'd never have had the huge attention she craved to get on the front pages. How embarrassing that the in-laws have declared she's suffering from a midlife crisis. She must be fuming. Well, she's not contacted them, Jeanette, at all. She's had nothing to do with them. Uh, Jean-Paul says, uh, I do care about what the BBC pays some people because I contribute to their wages bill. Well, it's got nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. You 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 buy a license fee to watch the uh, the BBC, and what they do with your money. I mean, there's nothing, as far as I know, in the in the contract that says this is what we're going to do with it. That's what it all comes out of. It's it's a stealth tax for the BBC, and they pay people. If they want to pay Gary Lineker two million pounds a year, he'd be stupid to go. It's far too much. Please, it's too much. Only pay me a hundred thousand a year. I don't want to. I don't want to earn any more than that. There's people starving. You know, nurses can't afford to pay car park charges. No, if your agent comes back and says, listen, I've, I've got a really good deal for you, they're going to pay you £3 million over two years. And you go, good. Bear you mind, you've got to pay your agent the 20% or 25% or whatever agents earn nowadays. But that's why they, they do it. That's like paying a good accountant. You pay a good accountant to bring your tax bill down, and many of you self-employed people will be paying tax at the end of this month, provided you're not setting up a company. And I should imagine most of the people on this... BBC list will be people who've got their own companies and they would put their money into their company. If they've got a foundation, it's even more complicated. But again, that's something that's done perfectly legal and it means that you can reduce your tax bill. You set up a company for for charitable purposes. If you're earning a lot of money, and I should imagine there's quite a number of people earning a lot of money, but why should it bother us? Why should we worry about that? I don't go into the bank and look at the bank manager and think, how much are you earning? I never worry about that. I never worry about it. And that's why it was interesting looking at Sarah Vine's column when she was talking about the nurses and uh, having to pay to actually park. You know, why they should be any different from anybody else, I've got no idea. Undertakers have to pay to park. Hospice workers, bank workers. You go to the city, you know, and you go to somebody, uh, you know, he's in uh, one of the banks or one of the financial institutions. They go, do you get free parking? They go, you must be joking. There's nowhere to park the car. And yet nurses expect it for free. And 76, and they weren't all nurses. They were ancillary workers. They keep saying, oh, but, but they actually can't afford to pay this money. Well, they can afford to run the car. They can afford to pay the price. That's what it says. If I pull into Covent Garden, as I pointed out the other day, and I park the car on a metre and I think, right, I'm going for lunch. It might be three hours, might be four. I don't know. Let's go four hours. And it comes back as 17 or 18 pound. I pay it. If I don't pay it, they're going to come round and ticket my car. And that's what these people got. And they ignored it. 
They weren't even intelligent enough to check with a lawyer over what the consequences would be when this company who run the car parks eventually went to court and the court awarded them their money. These people have got to pay it. Like the people who are trying to defraud the travel companies. You know, now they've started uh, fining them in courts. And I think people are dropping like flies. They've sort of... Uh, so you had what? Uh, we had food poisoning. Well, who did? All of us. Whole family. Really, you were struck down, were you, by food poisoning? Yes. How much are you claiming? Uh, about £10,000. Right. There's thousands of people done it over the years. It, it's the new wheeze. And so the, uh, the travel companies are biting back. They've decided. So one poor bloke, woman, sorry, it's a woman, I just remembered. Um, she dropped the case before it was going to court to claim her uh, money. Uh, the travel company weren't put off by that one. They took her to court and she got fined £25,000. And that's the warning from the travel companies. You know, we, we will compile evidence like that bloke. He goes over, he tries to claim, what was it, 3,000 quid? You know, try and keep it under sort of a range. And they went through his Facebook and they found out that he'd been out boozing every single night. The nights he was supposed to be so racked with pain and so awful. And uh, he then immediately withdrew his application for money because he realised that they were going to drag him through court. And they'll fine him. I thought that woman, 25 grand, she's got until October to save up for it. So that'll be nice, won't it, really? Uh, yes, a lot of jousting in Ivanhoe. Steve, and you were right again. Yes, it was Roger Moore. Uh, Sue says... Uh, uh, we do care because our licence fee that pays their exorbitant salaries and for all the dross on the BBC. But it doesn't matter, actually, Sue. It doesn't matter. It's got nothing to do with you, what they spend their money on. If they want to spend £2 million on Gary Lineker and £25,000 on a Blue Peter presenter, that's their business. It doesn't say anywhere when you pay your licence fee that, uh, that you will be helping to... It's not th- nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. You don't pay the licence fee, they'll take you to court. It's as simple as that. You pay it, but there's nowhere, I think, on the licence that says we will uh, spend the money very widely. It's got nothing to do with us. It's not your licence fee, it's their licence fee. You have a television that collects the BBC, you're expected to buy a licence for it. If you don't, they'll put you in court and you'll pay for it. Simple as that. And then uh, somebody says from Halton, it's our business to care how much the BBC pay its presenters. We pay the licence fee so we should know how the money's being spent. No, it isn't. It's got nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. It's, you know, it's, what, what's it got to do with you? Nothing. Nothing at all. You don't work for the BBC. You're not in management. You're not the person who's dealing with the agents. So it's got nothing to do with you. How much do you think they actually pay their commissioners for standing there? Again, you don't know, do you? You don't know that because you go, oh, uh, but, but the presenters earn a lot of money. Well, what do you think Anton Decker on ITV? which is all paid for by advertising. So Anton Deck can put, well, one of them at the moment, the other one's sort of currently paying his rehab, I should imagine. But, you know, they earn a lot of money. I can remember years ago, there was a radio presenter that I know reasonably well. He was the first radio presenter on a million pounds a year. A radio presenter on a million pounds a year, which is not uncommon in this day and age. And it's not your licence fee, it's their licence fee. Don't ever make the big mistake... But uh, that you're anything to do with the BBC. What are you going to do? Withhold it? They'll put you in court. Simple as that. It's not up to you to decide how much people earn. What do you think? They should sort of cut him back and give him 300000 a year? You don't have any say in that whatsoever. Absolutely nothing at all. It's up to the BBC with how they manage their money. That's, that's their housekeeping. Nothing to do with us. You just, if you watch any of the programmes, whether you think they're rubbish or not, you still watch it. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Be an adult. Turn the tech off. But of course you won't. You'll still sit there and watch Dross and then complain bitterly about how much people earn. 
but it's got nothing to do with you. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Steve, I know a guy who spends about 100 quid a week on scratch cards. He doesn't win much either. I don't quite understand, actually, why people get addicted. I understand, you know, people's addiction. I understand people addicted to fruit machines. I understand people addicted to gambling. But a scratch card, and I've seen people buying them, and it's like with some sort of... They're, they're obsessed with it. They take their coin out and... Like that, and then you go, oh, 20 pence. Not very excited. Richard Green played Robin Hood, says Nick. Thank you. And uh, tanker driver Phil says, I've just put £420 worth of diesel in my truck, and it needs the same again on Friday, but I fill it using my company SO Fuel card, which gives me Tesco Club cards. Last Christmas, I had over £500 in vouchers. See, that's worth it, isn't it? I think that's worth it for people. Uh, Mike says, Richard Green played Robin Hood. Great show. What, his or mine? Probably both, actually. Probably both of them. Uh, just before I do the front page, I must tell you, actually, very briefly, there's some poor man here called Lawrence Perry. So he thought that what, what he would do is he would add a cheeky touch to his improvements to the verge outside his home. Garden gnomes. Not just any old garden gnomes. These are garden gnomes that uh, have a glowing plastic bottom. And so at night time, their, their bottom li- lights up. Anyway, the councils ordered him to remove them, claiming they could distract motorists. I just imagine if you were driving past, the last thing you'd be noticing is a gnome with a lit-up bottom, would you? Anyway, businessman Mr Perry says they were a Father's Day present from my daughter. Strange daughter. It was meant to be light-hearted. You'd think the council had more important things to do. Cheshire East Council said, whilst we don't wish to spoil people's fun... There is a safety issue. The gnomes could distract drivers, regardless of whether it was their bottoms that glowed. Don't you just love councils? I love councils. Yeah, I mean, I have to be honest, gnomes are fairly sinister. You know, I mean, I I know a very famous celebrity who had some gnomes in her back garden, and she said to me, she said, don't don't tell everybody. She said, I think I'm looking after them for somebody. We used to have a man who used to work for LBC years ago. He used to make gnomes out of uh, concrete. He used to have a plastic mould. And then he'd paint them. But you're right, there's something very odd. We used to have... We didn't have one. I don't want you... You know, I don't want to get this right. I don't want people to sort of start pitying me or something. We didn't have gnomes, OK? Lucky to have a garden. And we had a puppy. And, uh, and, and you'd have a, a garden gnome with a fishing rod. And they used to have little signs. Or I think there was somebody who had a wheelbarrow. Mind you, if you've been to garden centres, you can buy full-sized animals. They were selling elephants in Costco the other day to put in your garden. What was the point of that one? With the point, we went to have a look at a house years and years ago, not for me, but for my godchildren. And in the garden, they had a, an elephant, and its trunk sprayed water. It was it was like a water feature. I thought it was quite nice, actually. Uh, the Daily Mail front page: Nanette Newman, very famous. How can they ban my sexist fairy liquid ads? Yet allow sex on Love Island. I'm surprised that Nanette Newman even knows about Love Island. Uh, pay panic at the BBC, the meltdown into the dossier. Four people this morning we managed to find who think that you should know uh, where these people uh, earn their money and how much they earn. Whereas, is that what, 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 you know, so once you know how much Graham Norton earns, what does that mean? Are people going to start targeting him, writing, how dare you earn this much money? Not as well write to bankers. Well, why don't you write to the Queen? Write to Prince Charles? Write to all these people? Find out from from the boys, Harry and William, how much money they've got sitting in the bank. Go on. These people are nosy old so-and-sos, aren't they? Curtain twitchers. Uh, Mike, Tyndall and Zara, off on holiday with a photographer or somebody taking a picture of them. She's lovely. We don't know what he does, so they just put him down as ex-rugby player. Uh, the Daily Mirror, front page this morning. 
Cop to Cops spied on sex couple. Two million pound Lineker and BBC stars pay secrets. Kate's distress at Nazi horror camp. The Sun. EastEnders Paul in Jungle Horror Fall. You thought they could have covered him up, actually, before they started taking pictures of him. Camilla Hunk's secret lover. This is a girl who's had sex on Love Island with some bloke who's, um, who's really lied. He has a girlfriend, but he got rid of her so he could go into the programme. That's how desperately sad these people are. The primary school cell, which I told you about earlier. Uh, front page of that. We were going to be talking, incidentally, to our reporter down in Cornwall, but we seem to have sort of lost them. Temporarily, so no doubt they'll pop up a little bit later on. Uh, the Daily Express, tough Teresa gives her bickering ministers an ear bashing. Need a good slap on the bottom, I think, today, lighting up or otherwise. Thousands turn out to toast the royals in Poland. And avoiding middle-aged spread dramatically, apparently, reduces the risk of diabetes. For every £11 that was gained between adulthood to 55, the chances of getting the condition increased by 30%. The figures mean a weight gain of just over three stone would lead to a 120% increased risk of type 2 diabetes. Guardian this morning, front page, backbenchers tell May, sack the saboteurs. Yep, good idea. Uh, Johanna Conter forced to defend Britishness. So what are you? And uh, her nationality was called into question on the BBC the other day. Uh, also, the BBC accepts the high earner gender gap must close. That's up to uh, the agents, isn't it, to sort out. Because I'm assuming most people's money... Is, uh, is negotiated by the agents. Jill in Glasgow says, I couldn't care less what people earn. David Attenborough is worth the licence fee alone. Absolutely. And Liam, who says, anybody who says they care because they pay the BBC wages are the same who say the same to the police. Ridiculous, bitter people who don't take responsibility for their own life. It's got nothing to do with anybody how much people earn. It really hasn't. I mean, I've never... Like, it's like going to the Church of England and going, how much are you paying vicars? You know, how much does a local rabbi get? It's just, they're just busybodies. They're busybodies. There's something the matter with them. Benjamin said £20 note was changed not long ago. No, no, I want the, I want the, um, the plastic note. Not that thing we've got at the moment, thank you. But uh, Benjamin says the only way they can put a smile on viewers' faces at the BBC is to scrap the licence fee. Well, they can't, well, who's going to pay for the programmes? You just have the test card. They have to pay for their programmes. They've got a lot of programmes to pay for. Admittedly, most of them are rubbish, but that doesn't matter, does it? That's how it works nowadays. But uh, the inside story of the Jane Austen £10 note, the pound and prejudice. Uh, also, Russia-linked hackers hit energy firms on polling day. US surgeon fails to sway the Charlie doctors. Oh, we hadn't had this one before, had we? This was an interesting one from the, from the Telegraph today. Doctors caring for Charlie Gard are understood to remain unconvinced by an American neurosurgeon who claimed he could treat the 11-month-old boy Great Ormond Street Hospital staff met Dr. Uh, Mikio Gerano, who's a US specialist who'd flown to London to examine Charlie and said his experimental therapy could help treat the child. The hospital believes Charlie has suffered irreversible brain damage and is understood to be sticking by its position that life support should be withdrawn. Times today, front page. This is um, Linda Wenzel from Dresden, found by Iraqi forces. Described by them as an enemy sniper, another misguided, sad person with no brain cell at all. Uh, Two-thirds of top-earning stars are men, but in fact most of the presenters on the BBC are men, aren't they? So why would it not be two-thirds of men? Also, rip-off fees for using credit cards to be banned. That'll be a first, won't it? BBC faces sexist pay storm. Uh, Director-General promises to end the stark gender gap by 2020. Rippetingly exciting. Rippetingly exciting. And the Daily Star, first with the news of Love Island, brings you the latest uh, news that Daisy Lowe, yes, I fancy girls.
So there you go. Louise Redknapp's found a new friend, which is lovely. Eventually, I suppose, she'll sort of end up back with the husband, having had her, whatever it is, her midlife crisis or whatever they want to call it. Uh, the bad news is that uh, Katie Price, they say pop wannabe. No, she can't sing for toffee, so not pop wannabe. Pop nobody, I'm afraid. Uh, has revealed she's training as a paramedic. Takes five years, so don't worry. If you're feeling ill today, she'll never get round to you. You might as well just give up and take an aspirin. And uh, the axed frog actor was not funny. The actor behind Kermit the Frog was fired for making him too depressed. Jim Henson's daughter Cheryl last night launched a furious attack on Steve Whitmire. She backed the decision to let him go after 27 years. Cheryl said, worst of all, in the past years he'd not been funny or fun. She told the actor to stop with the pity party after he said he was devastated following his sacking by phone. Disney chief said Whitmire was sacked to protect the integrity of the character. It's a puppet. It's a stick puppet. He still comes to life, though, doesn't he, in certain people's hands. But he doesn't do that bit. He just does the voice. Uh, Debbie McClellan, head of the Muppet Studio division, said they'd consulted with the Henson family. And they said the role of Kermit the Frog is an iconic one that is beloved by fans, and we take our responsibility to protect the integrity of that character very seriously. It's just a puppet, OK? Just a puppet. Miss Piggy is a puppet. She's made out of foam. OK? She just, you know, she fancied Kermy, Not really. OK? She's a pig. He's a frog. She'd have eaten him. All right? Don't worry about it. Try and get over yourselves. But uh, he'd been doing it for 27 years. And then they get rid of him. Babe who can ruin Cam Love... As I say, it's the usual bunch of no-hopers in Love Island, and I'm sure that many of you will enjoy watching it, and I hope that your gabardine, Mac, still holds out for it. Have a lovely day. I'm going to be back with you tomorrow morning, whether you like it or not, uh, because that's in the contract. It says I've got to be here, so I might as well just sort of pop in, I suppose, and uh, see what the papers have. I hope that by tomorrow uh, we'll have got some more sunshine. Not too much sunshine. I really don't want too much sunshine. Uh, we also will... Uh, we didn't get round to talking about uh, Corrie's Beverly Callard and about how she's uh, coping with depression. Uh, we did bring you the story of the copper. He, was asked, he asked for time off and they said no, and so he took it anyway, pretended he was sick. They fired him. He went to the races and had a bit of a good time. So uh, there's somebody looking for a new career. Uh, plus, Brooklyn Beckham getting another tattoo. Marvellous, isn't it? Like father, like son. It's a little bit chav, isn't it, really? He's only 18. He doesn't... But he hasn't got any pictures of a coffee machine on there, which I thought would have been far more appropriate. Have a lovely day. Follow me on Twitter. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at 10 this morning, it's James O'Brien. We're coming up next, Nick Ferrari at breakfast with Matt Fry. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.